welcome to episode number 39 of The Third Power. We're back, baby. We're back with some Theros. This is Anthony Avatolo, your co-host. As always, I'm here with my other co-host, the ever-excited, ever-jubilant Usman Jamil. Yeah! Oh, my God, that was awesome. I don't know if that's death growl good, but, you know. No, it's not death growl good, but it's, oh, man, we got some we got some excitement. Awesome. Let's roll that excitement. We have a special guest, once again, running uh, back-to-back set reviews with us, is uh, the ever-knowledgeable and uh, ever-awesome Justin Parnell. Two in a row. Feels good. Feels good to be back. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you. And uh, and this is going to be, a, you know, our, I thought our our M14 discussion was, was pretty good, and, you know, we... We put in a nice uh, barn burner in that one, and uh, I think there's a lot of good cards to discuss in Theros as well for us to, uh, I was going to say discuss, but that would be a little bit to, uh, to kind of uh, ramble about and, and see what we can find. I think there's, there, there's lots of the cards that look like auto-includes, and there's lots of, I think, just really interesting cards, too, for, for possible inclusion. Should we talk about our software mishap, which just happened? So, uh, well, I guess we have to now. Thanks. Well, I could cut it out and post and be like, look, look behind the scenes. So, uh, yeah, we, we just tried to record and, uh, we, uh, we got a solid 20 minutes in and, uh, the, uh, ever so kind Usman informed us that, uh, oh, hey, by the way, guys, we're not recording. Yeah, I like, there's a, a program we use called a MP3 Skype recorder and usually, like, the file size will increase. Like, it'll say, like, 900K, 908K and it wasn't increasing. And I was like, uh, you know, we're kind of going for it as normal. I was like, uh, guys, Guys, we're we're um we're not recording. Something's up. Keep in mind this this took twenty minutes for him to find out. Of course, <laughs> I would have I would have told our audience that we had been recording for six and a half hours and we're having to start over. <laughs> right, right. We were putting in a uh, a limited resources esque type of uh, effort here, and now we're just gonna you know what we're gonna do is all we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna list each card and each of us will say one sentence about it. So all we get is three sentences per card. Next card. <laughs> yeah, Next. Exactly. That's all we're going to do. So would I have to read the card out loud, or would we rotate that? Oh, no, no, we rotate for sure. Okay, good. I don't want to stuff on on reading card duty. Right, right. Name name of card plus what it does. Next person, thumbs up or thumbs down. Next person, uh, you know, I think this would be good. One-sentence analysis. Right. (laughs) I think we'll get a nice little rotation. uh, Trim it down. Trim it down to about an hour and a half. (laughs) <laughs> High concept cube review. Keep there it to one sentence. So, all right. Well, uh, real quickly, since we talked about it before, and I think it's, uh, I think it is important to discuss, uh, at least briefly, is did you guys pre-release? Response? Yes, I, uh, I did. I did two HG, and I didn't really like it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just honestly not that big on sealed, and I think that now that I think about it, that, probably is why I'm just not a big sealed person. And it was essentially another sealed format, so this didn't do much for me. Ironically, I love cube sealed, so go figure. Uh, I'm the opposite. I love sealed in all formats. Limited sealed, cube sealed. Uh, sealed is probably my favorite, maybe my favorite format, which is weird because uh, I don't think anyone's ever said that before. But it might uh-huh. be my favorite format. I love I love 2HG. I was able to do a uh, midnight pre-release where I went a stellar 1 and 3, changing my deck after every single round until I found the correct combination and defeated my round 4 opponent to get zero packs and losing uh, five hours of sleep. Oh. And the next day, uh, woke up, 
did a 2HT with one of my really good friends, which I think really enhances the experience when you're able to play with someone that you like a lot, especially someone that you uh, feel is, is equally competent. And uh, we, we went we, we went to an easy 4-0, uh, winning 40 packs of uh, Theros and some other stuff. So it was pretty, pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah, very nice. It's always good to wind up with some pre-release packs. Now, what do you do? Now, here's the question. Is what do you do with your packs? Do you guys uh, booster draft after, or do you do you crack them? What do you do? Uh, we drafted the the last since I moved to Roanoke. Uh, we usually do a uh, a draft of the new set on the Sunday night uh, following the pre-release, uh, which is technically going on now. For those that don't know, this is the Sunday night following the pre-release. So I'm here recording, talking about Cube, which I do enjoy more than drafting. So. Uh, I'll have to get get the the intel from everyone that's drafting tonight, uh, tomorrow morning at work. So uh, that's going. And me being uh, me, I just bank them and just use it for credit. I think last time I banked credit at the same store, I uh, I think I just the last time I used it was for soda because I don't I don't know I don't buy cards. I just buy it on buy it with store credit. Was yeah. it uh, was it sunflower soda? Or no, like no, Arctic oh soda. <laughs> Dandelion soda. Dandelion soda. I think it was just like battery soda. (laughs) Battery acid soda. Hemlock soda. Well, (laughs) I haven't been to that place since. I don't think. Probably for good reason. I don't know. That place was pretty awesome. They used to have like a wall of hot sauce. Now they don't, which makes me sad. Now they just have walls of soda. (laughs) Now they have walls of bad, bad karma, bad soda. Balls of potpourri soda. He's <laughs> like flowers and and just nastiness. Yeah, we used to uh, we used to always draft with our packs, but uh, since moving to Georgia, there's not a whole lot of people that uh, do a whole lot of side drafting or that I can convince to do side drafting. Everyone's much more interested in opening their packs and finding their goodies. So often, what I wind up doing is I, I keep the packs for a number of weeks, and then finally, I'm like, ugh. I think these packs are just better off me opening them and putting them in my binder to trade with people rather than holding out hope that someone will actually want to draft at some point. Have so, you ever yeah. traded bind, like booster packs to people? Like, All the time. Much. Okay. All the time, especially at pre-releases. Um, not only did I used to sell you know, packs of pre-releases sometimes, but oftentimes at pre-releases I would be able to trade the packs for like five in credit each. Like nice. with, with people. That's, so that's I would just wind sick. up picking up a bunch of cards you know, that I wanted. Because, you know, uh, people who, you know, aren't able to, you know, don't necessarily want to spend a bunch of money, but they want to play, you know, with all the new cards. Because, um, you know, that's the best time to trade those new cards is in that first week or two when Absolutely. everyone wants their shiny things. Like, I love trading uh, I love trading commons and uncommons in, like, the first week or two. Yeah. When they actually have, like, a, a good bit of heft to them when trading them for rares, but... But I would normally do that if I got to go to a pre-release. I was unable to go to a pre-release. Uh, this is for the second pre-release in a row. I missed the M14 pre-release as well. Uh, this one, luckily, was for a uh, for a good reason. Um, got to play with a uh, symphony about an hour or so away. Um, and we had concerts at 3 and 7 on Saturday, and then 3 o'clock again on Sunday, which puts it square in the not be able to do anything. Um, I considered a midnight release, uh, but worked an 11, 12-hour day, got home at about 9 p.m., would have had to have driven about an hour, 15 minutes, both directions, 
and then, you know, combine that combined with the symphony gigs the next day and uh, being unreal old, uh, I realized that. Because I, I think if I were 22, I would have probably left right from work and went right to the game shop to, you know, do stuff. As it turns out, I came home, fed my cats, and passed out on the couch. <laughs> and I only woke up when I got a phone call. And it was like 11.30. I'm like, well, guess I'm not going. <laughs> so... So, yeah, a little sad about that. Definitely wanted to take part in that, especially since it seems like they're doing this uh, some sort of, I don't know enough about it, but, like, this continuity thing between the pre-releases where you're supposed to, like, battle your deck against something. The, the, am I making this up? The Path of the Hero or whatever that's Yeah, I think I think they're they're weaving the... So it's like, so from what I understand, it's a nine-part thing. And each of the nine parts for all of the sets are the pre-release the release event, and then the game day. So one of one of those three for all three sets in the block. And then, like, there's, like, some story that happens from here until the, I guess, the game day event of the third set in the block, which I can't remember its name. I know Journey to Nyx is the second set. I don't know what the third set name is, but... Mm. Oh, yeah, uh, I have an idea. Yeah, but it, it's, it's something with that. And you got, like, this, like, hero card that you can use to to like face like uh like monsters along the way I, I don't I don't really know I I know it's something it didn't nothing actually happened with it at the pre-release but I think it happens at like release event and game day and then gotcha with, yeah. gotcha hey did anybody else know maybe I'm dumb and maybe I'm just behind it but did anyone else realize that a hero is in the middle of Theros yeah yeah it's uh it's like it's like the heroes. I think is what it's like supposed to, like represent. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I I just was like, wait a second. There's hero in the middle of Theros. There's, there's earth shattering. <laughs> just like cop. Just like cop of the hammer. If you initial make his name into initials, it still spells cop. Oh yeah, I love that cop is a uh, whatever. Uh, I forget what the actual term is that it stands for itself. Yeah, some kind of is, anagram. Is there a term for that? It's some, some, kind, some kind of anagram or something. I forget. There's a term for it. I have no idea what. Huh. I'm. I don't. I know speak English. Might have to do some uh, post-show research there. Yeah, we I might link in the show. In theory, we'll link in the show notes. In in practice, I'll probably just forget about it and not care. Ah. All right. Well, uh, real quick before we get into our crack a pack and everything, I wanted to share a, a little trick that I learned uh, when I was hanging out in uh, Cincinnati for uh, Adam Prozac's last uh, weekend before going to Wizards. I uh, did a couple of cube drafts, and I noticed uh, my friend Jake, uh, Jake Miser, uh, in his cube, uh, he has, he's just a you know, regular cube. He was foil for a while, and he kind of downgraded it, and he, you know, proxied it, and then he just was kind of going back to just normal cards. But what he did, and this is something that I struggle with, because I, I try to have the nicest looking cube, but... It's hard for me to turn down, up, you know, easy upgrades into, like, Japanese foils or Korean foils and things like that. Uh, what he does is actually with a uh, very, you know, with the thin, super fine point Sharpie, he actually writes on the inner sleeve, like, the oracle wording in the place where the text box, it, text box is. Hmm. So you can still see what the card does. And I thought that That's was a, a is, is a really neat way to do it because i got to tell you, I'm still tired of explaining what Cataclysm does to people. Oh, wow, yeah. Now, people yeah. know it a little bit more because it's been seeing some legacy play in the uh, Death and Taxes deck. So mm-hmm. people have a little more of an idea. But i got to tell you, it's, uh, I, I thought about that, and I was like, man, that is, I, I don't know why I hadn't thought of that previously. It's just a really 
good idea, I think. So when yeah. when you were describing the idea, I thought it was going to be like a slip of paper you could like slip out kind of thing. Like I use these pieces of paper as proxies in my cube, and I thought you were going to be like slip a piece of paper out that has the English version or something like that. Like, no, no, no. Just write it right on, you know, write with very small, very neat, you know, writing, and just write it right in the, where the text box goes. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a good way to find that middle ground between uh, heavy heavy pimping and wanting everybody to know what the cards do. Yeah, and that's one thing I had recently happen with like a couple new people who are cubing is just like. Like Inquisition of Kozilek, and it's like because I have it in you know Spanish because lol Spanish Inquisition, ah. and yeah, it's just like <laughs> I'm like, what's this card doing? Like, um, hold up, let me find it together. <laughs> the Inquisition, let's begin. The Inquisition, look out, Seth, we're on a mission <laughs> to convert the Jews. Sorry, I gave you some inner some uh some music there. Are you ready? I like it. Do you need some more while you look for your card? Oh no! Uh. It's like the uh, the third power elevator music. Right, right, right. Instead of a uh, girl from Ipanema, you get you know, singing other songs. I could also sing like Matt, so, you know, some of my magic card songs that we've written over the years. Like, like if you like a million colossus oh. and attacking for eight. Oh, chameleon colossus. Or Kabu 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 Chameleon. <laughs> it changes colors. It can't be countered. <laughs> I like that one. I remember the Wooded Foothills one. That's yeah, yeah, Wooded Foothills is a, is a classic. Yep. What's the Wooded Foothills one? Oh, so I, I, I did an entire song. Uh, I, wrote, I rewrote the entire uh, Beverly Hills by Weezer as Wooded Foothills. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, so you got, you know, so the chorus is, you know, uh, wooded foothills, Kurt Ape is always two, three. <laughs> you know, Beverly Hills, uh, stomping grounds are taiga for me. <laughs> yeah, and I, I rewrote the, uh, I re- rewrote the lyrics. Uh, Kurt Ape is always two, three was, is my favorite line though. Yeah. <laughs> So there's always a, a one winner line that really, you know, make sure make sure the song gets over. Right, right, right. Curd ape is always two three. I remember Anthony, you signed my curd ape with a, and then yes, it says it's always two three. And, and then somebody, <laughs> and somebody was asking, is like an errata? I'm like, I just face palm and I'm like, no, it's it's just always a two three. I'm like, when the hell have you cast curd ape and it's a one one? All right, right. When when you play this guy as a one one, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, tighten up. What kind of decks are you playing out there? Yeah. <laughs> this goblin right here. So, all right, cool. Let's do our, uh, with the uh, musical serenade over, do you have your, inqui- were you still looking for your Inquisition? Oh, no, I wasn't actually looking. No. Uh, all right, well, let's go. Well, since you since you have your cube out, why don't we go ahead and do our crack pack? Okay. Uh, Anthony, are you typing or Justin, you typing? Yes, I, I will certainly type. Okay. okay. Flex the old to, figaroos here. I mean, it's less work for me. Okay. Right. And, you know, my cue. Well, well, you're calling, so I'm t- I'll type. Okay. First card. Spectral Procession. Three dudes. Uh, seriously. Which I had. Seriously. And I, actually, I had, uh, I saw Evan Irwin in uh, GP Nashville, and I had him sign my uh, Spectral Procession, and that's what he wrote on there. Card number two. Carnophage. All right. That's all right. It. All right. Carnophage. I think uh, no need to no need to call out any more cards. I think we have our first pick. We can just go ahead and pick Carnophage and move on. 
That's true. No? Good night, no? Okay. All right. Good night, everybody. Uh, card number three, Thought Courier. Okay. A- Adam would be beside himself right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, He'd no, also so be disappointed he... it wasn't actually Merfolk Looter. So quick side story. <laughs> uh, so at, at said event, Adam was giving cards away uh, in his binder to people who brought him foil Merfolk Looters. So oh, nice. uh, basically, if you brought him a foil Merfolk Looter, uh, you could take anything that was in uh, one of the pockets of one of his binders. Um, so he had, uh, you know, you know, just cards that he had from Standard or in his trade binder. He also had mystery slots in the back that you could take one, and it was like a piece of paper, and you would take it out and unfold it and it had a prize on the inside, oh. one of which was his F&M Hero deck. Huh. So uh, long, long story, just slightly longer. Uh, my friend Femus from Arizona sent, I, you know, I got, I, I contacted a bunch of people. I'm like, hey, by the way, like, we're collecting foil merfolk looters for Adam for when he goes to Wizards. So my friend Femus not only sent a foil merfolk looter, but also sent a foil thought courier with the words, better version anyway, written on it. <laughs> when I handed it to Adam, he saw it and immediately tore the card, and, tore the card in half. Nice. That sounds about right. And said, I, I made a promise that to myself that if, if someone ever gave me one of these, I would just tear it in half immediately. And I, I think had, I had, pictures uh, of on Twitter. <laughs> I had Prozac sign my Thought Courier, and he wrote, worst card ever, and then signed See? it. See? And I had somebody, like, I had him sign, like, some Merfolk looters, and... Yeah, it said, best like, card ever. He wrote hearts on it, was like, I love this card, best card ever, and then somebody sent me a text, um, I think when I was out of town, because I had, I lent the store my cube, and someone's like, who's this, who, uh, who loves Merfolk Clear? I'm like, Adam freaking Prozac. Also, though, the, uh, it's actually, uh, Shawlock Isle, which is the best card ever, but. That's true. Actually, I think I just said Adam Prozac. Yeah, that that's, it. that's true, though. That is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, mm-hmm. next card, uh, Thundermaw Hellkite. That's a mm. dragon. That is a, uh, that's a creature type dragon. Sure is. Uh, next card, Phantasmal Image. Oh wait! Oh wait! This card sucks because of a new legend rule. I uh, should take it out of my cube. Uh, I've realized so, the error of my ways. So, so the thing about that is, when you copy their awesome legend, you get a copy of their awesome legend. See, what, what if I don't want it? Like, like, uh, um, I, but I copied the Thrun. They can't regenerate it. That, that's that's awful. <laughs> Dude, but then you have Thrun. That's true, and you have regen mana off. <laughs> <True. laughs> that's true. Speaking of which, Adam just signed on Skype. Um, next card, Miscalculation. What's with all these blue cards? Jeez. I'm going to kick them all from random areas, so I'll try a different random area. Uh, next card, Obnixilus the Fallen. Okay. So whenever you cast Miscalculation, do you say to your opponent, I believe, sir, you have made a miscalculation? I say it every time. I do not. I, I'm, I need to... Uh, I do it every time. I don't, I don't know why. So you, sir, appear to have made a miscalculation. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I don't know why. Let's do it. I like it. I do like it. Next card, Savannah. All right. So, Anthony, All right. we know your pick out of here. Oh, land. That's true. Next card, uh, Wild Nacoddle. So we know... Oh, uh, baby, goes with the first right. one. We, know, we see the wheel. We, see, we know Kenny Mayer's first pick. Uh, next one, Watery Grave. All right. And next card, Detention Sphere. Okay. 
Does anyone else uh, sing uh, I'm the Man from Anthrax whenever they play it? I am so bad. I am so bad. I should be in detention. I am the man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, I should I should uh, do that as the yeah. as the resident um, metalhead on the show. But right, I just you know I, I just try to insert as much music as possible into into playing magic. So I like it. I like it. Now, uh, next card, Azoria Signet. And so there's um, the next three cards are going to be Theros cards that All are right. amongst from these selections and. Uh, uh, next one, Boon Stater. Ooh. All right. Next one, Thassa, God of the Sea. And the last one, Hammer of Perforos. All of those are enchantments. That's kind of that's a little funny. <laughs> Hammer of <laughs> I like that type. I don't want to have to spell Porphyros for the next two years. Yeah, I can say that. <laughs> God, I was so miserable in Kamigawa block trying to you know, write in five sentences for every name. Now I have to put a bunch of O-U-S's and O-R-O-U-P-H. Mm-hmm. Pop a, the hammer of Papadopoulos. God, <laughs> it take me forever. I'm never going to spell anything right. That's true. Ugh. Yep. All right. So, uh, so thoughts? Well, I like this pack. Yeah. It's uh, pretty interesting. Justin, what are you saying about the wheel? Like, um, I think that okay. oh, you take the land and then wheel your wild McConnell. Yeah, ah, exactly. Take Savannah and then wheel wild McConnell. There you go. Yeah, so that's uh, especially especially in discussion situations. Uh, I really like to talk about what you know. If you're in a six or eight man draft, like how you're setting up your draft based on your first pack. And I think in this in this pack, there's actually like three different pretty relevant paths you can take uh, where you can draft something and then be sure to get another card back that's also going to be good in your deck. And this is, this is another good pack for that. Not just because there's a lot of blue cards, which there are, uh, but there's uh, like Savannah, Wild McCattle, um, Phantasmal Image, and any other card that you can draft because it's awesome. Like there's nothing Wait, else. Attention Spear and Zoria Signet together. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like those two. Uh, granted, you would take other blue. Yeah. You would take other blue cards before. I think either of those, but that is certainly something that you could, you know, in, in an example. For example, if let's say you know one of the two color cards was the best card in the pack, and then you had like a utility two color matching pairing, you could take the powerful one and have a reasonable expectation to actually get the other one back. So. Now, now, for this yeah. pack, you know, I would be taking image over either of those cards, I think. But yeah, but yeah, that sets up the example nicely that, hey, I could take this two-color card and expect to wheel this two-color card. Yeah. So I think uh, for me, this comes down to – first pick-wise, this comes down to, comes down to two cards, uh, both to have a nice first pick where I could reasonably expect something to wheel. Um those two cards are Thunderball Hellkite and Phantasmal Image. Yep. Um, I'm I'm pretty hard up for Phantasmal Image. Like it's it's tough for me to just like not take this like higher than just about anyone else's because I'm just in, completely in love with this card. Yeah. So, didn't, uh, on the I'm, last episode, didn't you say you routinely take it like first pick? Yeah, I take it. I take it first. Like that and Phyrexian Metamorph, I take like first, second pick like all the time. Yeah, they're good. 
They're they're just like really good, and you don't even have to like, especially with Metamorph, who actually like better because you don't even have to be playing blue. But even with Phantasmal Image, like you don't have to like be playing blue blue. You can just be splashing blue, and it's insane. But even with Thunderball Hellkite, uh, you can reasonably expect to wield the hammer. Um, maybe it would be a little less likely because it's the only other red card in the pack. So if you if there was another red draft at the table, they'd probably just take that on on that fact alone. Uh, but I think those two cards are just like are just I guess a little more powerful than everything else in the pack as far as a first pick. But there's a lot of other cards that are just kind of uh, like fifth through eighth picks that are all really reasonable cards, which is why this pack is I feel like it's pretty spread evenly. But I would probably take Phantasmal Image with Thunderbolt Hellkite coming in second. Um, also really like Boon Seder, but I don't think this is really the pack for him, nor would I want to first pick that card, I don't think. Uh-uh. Mm, yeah, that's I, about I, all I got. I feel like I want to take just Thundermaw Hellkite and go all in on that. Yeah. Maybe I can maybe just, like, go red-black aggro if I, like, wheel the in the Carnophage or something, or, like, the Nicotle. Mm-hmm. Or the Boonsay yeah, or something. Perfectly reasonable... To, to do, I think, because, uh, like, all of those cards, like, the cattle and Carnophage are almost surely going to wheel, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I almost think the, the cattle often will wheel more, will wheel more because it, it definitely requires a, a two-color commitment, and at mm-hmm. this point, this early in the draft, people might just not have that or might not be willing to commit to that. But I also, you know, you know, this is, I think, one of those packs that I think it's just depending on how you're feeling that day. I mean, I think if you want to be a blue deck, you know, if you want to be maybe a little more uh, of that flavor, because there are certain, I mean, there are certainly times where I want to play blue decks, and then there are certain times where I want to play fun police decks, you yep. know, and, and, and do those kinds of things. Uh, at the Atlanta Open this weekend, I literally drafted two Boros fun police's deck, decks with a total of, you know, three Armageddons between them. Three Armageddons <laughs> and two... Uh, uh, two sulfuric vortexes between those two decks. <laughs> yeah, so you, so literal the no fun. Your 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 opponent is going to be miserable. Which right. Is fun for exactly you. Right, right, right. Which is you know which I'm fine with for the most part. You know, uh, if I'm if I'm playing that kind of deck, then you know I want all the fun. <laughs> so I, I had at least two opponents complain about Armageddon and how it, it's just not a fun card and it shouldn't be in there. And I said, well, <laughs> said you know would would you rather I mind twist you? And they were like, well. Good point. At least I got to play, you know, some spells. Which are me upheaval you? Right, right. I said, well, you could play. Yeah, right. You could play two. We could play two more turns, and then we could start the game over. And I could, we could just start it out. But I'm on turn three or four, and you're on turn one. Yeah. We could do that too. So, so uh, to what to what you're saying about like wanting to have all the fun, my uh, my friend and coworker Glenn Jones, who you guys probably a lot of you have seen on uh, SCG well, Live. Sure, and I know Glenn pretty um, well. He was. Yeah. Uh, uh, good. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, he, he was part of the very last squeeze ever in Cincinnati, the aforementioned Cincinnati trip. And, okay. uh, the, the squeeze topic, I don't know if you're, are you guys familiar with the squeeze? No. Yeah. So in, the, 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 the squeeze is a, uh, is a game that Adam came up with on his stream, uh, where he basically will pick four people to, you know, pick people to play and then we'll make a list, um, of, and he'll name a topic. And you'll give him cards and he'll rank them, you know, like 1 through 15. And the object is to fill all the holes. For example, if you, if, you know, numbers 1, 2, and 3 are picked already, 
if you name a card that he thinks should be, you know, go somewhere in between those, you know, as position one, two, or three, then mm-hmm. you're out of the game. The object is to be the last person in the game. Um, but it's completely objective. You know, it's, uh, it could be things like, you know, best cards in magic or, you know, you know, whatever, you know, it could literally be anything on the, on the sun. Best, uh, uh sapling generator. Right, right, right. I mean, he's had some, some really, really ridiculous ones. Well, the, the, the last one we did while we were all sitting around and, uh, enjoying each other's company on Sunday night after the opens were over was, uh, squeeze topics when everyone is, you know, 80 years old and an old man, what we're going to sit around and, and what topics will we talk about. <laughs> and, uh, Glenn was a part of that one and was promptly the first one squeezed for, uh, number one and two were filled in and he promptly named a, another number two, which would be, uh, you know, to rank all your dead friends. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. N- number one was, you know, uh, what those damn kids are doing these days. <laughs> and I think number two was, you know, something about, like, the, the best, de- that that great deal I got today. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when, when he dropped dead friends on it, we, uh, we, we laughed a little bit, a little bit. And then he found himself out of the game. So. Yeah, that sounds sounds like a Glenn Jones comment for sure. So, <laughs> so anyway, your continue your Glenn Jones story. That's what so, three side stories for me. I'm gonna keep yeah. here. Well, yeah, we'll just keep a tally. So cool. Uh, so Glenn believes that there is a finite amount of fun to be had in any particular Magic game. Okay. And he always says that he wants to have as much of it as possible. Sure. And leave uh. his opponent with as little as possible. That's interesting. That seems like a personal thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. He's not wrong. No. Uh, it's just kind of a it's just kind of a dick thing to say. <laughs> right. Which is why I love Glenn. Like like squeezing your dead friends. For those of you who are not sure who Glenn is, Glenn is also the uh, one of the creator uh, the creator, if I believe, of the one drop cube. I think he was yep. one of the first guys oh, out. Oh yeah. Together. So uh, for for those of you who are only cube knowledgeable, that's uh, you should know Glenn from. There you go. Nice tie-in. Make, make it make it relevant. That's why we have you here. Thanks, man. That and that and side stories. There you go. And cats. I, I will I won't go into the uh, the other side story that Glenn went into during that trip. We'll uh, we'll leave that we'll leave that one untold. Oh. So, <laughs> so all right. No. So Usman, so where are you with this pack? Are you on Thundermaw and and out or? I'm feeling like a Thundermaw. I think I feel like taking Thundermaw. And depending on the number of people, like, wheeling, like, a uh, Wild McCoddle or a Savannah or a Carnifage or a Spectral Procession and, like, going for that. Like, I'm, I'm wondering if, like, people might see all the blue and, I don't know, like, Phantasmal Image is certainly an option. But I don't know. I, just, so I feel, usually I feel, feel more like a Thunder Maw deck than a Phantasmal Image deck, even though I love Phantasmal Image that deck. Yeah, I, I think it would be hard for me to, to pass Phantasmal Image here. Especially because of its low color requirement and high awesome requirement. Uh, but I, I could certainly see a world. And my thing about not taking Savannah here is that, uh, it's probably my least, one of my least favorite of my lands to pick early because I don't like a whole lot of the white green decks. Yep, I um, totally agree. While, while they can certainly be solid, um, I, and I've recently introduced a ramp package, which has helped my love of white green some. Um, I, I feel much better about like first picking a plateau or first picking a tundra 
or you know something like that. I feel like I'm going to get more mileage out of what kind of deck I want to build and and what that deck will look like. Um, and Savannah, maybe Bayou, maybe Bayou is number ten. I think yeah. Savannah, Savannah might be nine. Bayou might be ten. Is that like uh, the uh, the Arthur Dent discussion we had on the last episode? Like yeah, the, uh, the fair. It's like the two fair kind of deck or or something like that. Right, right, right. Like it just you know it's yeah it's just yeah it's good solid. I, I but I think it you know to use the uh, uh, Glenn Jones I think it just gives up it allows your opponents to have too much of the fun. Yeah. It's kind of like do do yeah. I'm gonna cast you know like where your your best play is like a turn two four four and then you know or turn two three three and. And you do something else, and then if you don't blow up the lands, you're like Rathio, and you're like, okay, well, I guess you got me. I'll do speaking, this next thing. And speaking of two mana three threes, how do you guys feel about albino troll nowadays? I know that card used to be played in like a ton of cubes, and now I like barely see it anymore. Well, I, I removed bring my yep. push to uh, my push away from uh, green centralized and aggressive, and making green centralized and ramp. He uh, he hit the bench. So. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's 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 a echo is a tough sell to new magic players. So you know it's you know it's all right, but I yeah. uh, you know I I've I've definitely moved away from that. So and, and I think I've been much happier for it since then. I, I think it's it's added a new dimension to to what green is doing. So or a forty up for uh, albino troll. Right, right. <laughs> now I, I you know for now wild mongrel still lives in the cube. Because I, like I, I've said before, I have a hard time removing creatures that have once held the championship belt of best creature in Magic, um, and it does help support uh, Reanimator as an archetype. Uh, but it's uh, it's getting more and more dubious as I go through trying to find a yeah. reason to to keep it in. You know, as, as much as it is, I'm starting to go, man. Just uh, no one plays this card. You know, outside of the the one or two decks that that want it, and they don't want it because it's a creature, they want it because it's a, you know, a discard out. Discard outlet. Outlet. Yeah. That, that maybe there are uh, greener pastures out there, so. That was a pun. Yes. Yes. It was. Thank you. <laughs> but if you discard a card, you can make it redder pastures, or blacker pastures. Bluer? Whiter pastures, if you're a racist. <laughs> Bluer, bluer, in case uh, in case you're uh, emo, or like that terrible "I'm blue" song. I recently referenced that to somebody, and they didn't know what that was. I'm like, I find it on the. I'm like, it is like the worst song ever. I'm blue. You never heard that? It's like really awful, like '90s Euro pop Eiffel, song. It's Eiffel nine, Eiffel, Eiffel sixty five. Yeah, it's like I'm blue, babadi, babababa. <laughs> I'm glad I don't know this song, because when you oh hear that, God, you don't know this song? You are the first one I think of when I hear that is, Am I Blue? Oh, my God. You are so lucky. Which I'm is like, you know, like jazz standard type song. I have I'm to believe that you're trolling us. After all of the random songs I've heard you talk about on this podcast. I'm posting this so, on your... I'm, I'm gonna, I, I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now, because I have no idea. So, I'm it's find like, it. I'm Blue? Yeah, I'm going to mute the microphone. It's, I think it's just called Blue. So this is like Celestial, uh, what's his name? Celestial Dawn, but for blue, right? Yeah, okay. I, I recognize this song. Yeah. I just have no idea what the title of it was. Yeah. Nope, that's, that's that terrible There you song. go. 
All right. All right. Now that we've uh, lost half our listeners, we're bringing up those terrible memories of having heard that song. People twitching out there, having flashbacks. Oh, speaking of, no. However, if I ever turn Wild Monk Blue for some reason, I'm definitely singing that. There you go. Speaking of flashback, I'm like, nope, wrong set. Uh, all right. It's rotating out. Speaking of sets, let's oh. get to our main course here. Talk about some Tahiros. <laughs> Tahiros? Yeah. I get some Euros. I like it. Tahiros. Euros are awesome, by the way. Tahiros. <laughs> and, uh, since you guys were talking about it earlier, why don't we start with White, and uh, why don't we start with uh, Elspeth, Suns Champion. I like to uh, I like to call Elspeth Dayman. <laughs> For those of you that uh, watch it, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which is one of my favorite shows. I hear it's good. I just if, never. If you if you get the reference, you get it. If you don't, you don't. I won't go into it, but you'll know it if you watch the show. Elspeth okay. is Dayman. Anyway, continue. All right. Uh, it's all so Elspeth. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll read it since you guys have more, since you guys have thoughts about it. It is a six mana planeswalker with starting loyalty of four. So it is four white white. Uh, plus one, put three one one white soldier tokens into play. Minus three, destroy all creatures with power four or greater. And minus seven, you get an emblem with creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and have flying. So it's reprisal storm, the minus three. It's yeah. a retribution of the meek. It's, it's this terrible card with uh, from Visions. That's oh, right. Reprisal is Exile, right? No, Exile. Uh, reprisal just destroys it. Oh, okay. Retribution of the Meek. No, that's right. That's everything, right? Mm-hmm. Retribution. It's actually a, a Wrath variant. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you guys have had sounds like you guys have had some experiences with it. So why don't you guys start? Usman, do you want to so, take the I'm reins? Gonna, I'm going to tell you a story. Um, so, Is it when, about how your life got flipped turned upside down? No, and it, it was not a story about how uh, something something blew either, uh, much, to, much to our chagrin. Like, when um, a lot of the spoilers came out, I was out of town. Um, me and my girlfriend were in um, or Minnesota for, you know, a while. And, like, a lot of the spoilers came out, and, you know, when the spoilers came out, I was like, oh, my God, it's 11 o'clock. Spoilers. And then, so I checked on my phone and looked on the, uh, you know, at the spoilers, and Elspeth was one of the spoilers. And, you know, my cube was, you know, however many miles away, so I couldn't, like, test the card out. But I looked at it, and I'm like, this card's, this card's really, really good. And I remember looking at the, like... Looking on Twitter, looking at like all the social media, and like nobody was really saying anything about it. I was like, I think I texted Kenny Mayer about it. I'm like, and and he he's usually like, for lack of a better term, kind of like who I sometimes like send like feel you know just like hey, what do you think of so and so and like Kenny Mayer feelers yeah. So I'm like, hey, because uh, I think he posted like there was a thread on somewhere like Salvation, and I think he was like. This card seems really good, and people, but people were pretty under, uh, they were pretty, like, unhappy with it. Like, eh, it costs too much mana, it uh, doesn't have enough impact, and he was like, this card is absurd. Was, like, this card's really good. And I would text him, I'm like, yeah, this card seems really, really good. Like, I couldn't test it because my cube was, like, 600 miles away from me, but I'm like, this card seems really, really, really good. 
And he's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why people are underrating this card. This card seems really good. I'm like, yeah, I uh, I agree. This card seems really stupid. I think he was like, uh, he said, I think Tyrell is still good, but this card seems nutty on the level of Titans to me. But yeah, I remember thinking after I got home, like, one of the first things I wanted to do, you know, after I got home and, you know, fed the cat and whatever, was just like, I'm going to test this card out see how it is. And, of course, it was absurd. Because it's just like, it's one of those cards that kind of reminds me of Elishnorn, where it's just like, in theory crafting, it seems kind of weak. It's just like, eh, just a minus two, and it may not matter, and you just, like, we don't have many six-mana Planeswalkers. There's Fat Garrick and Fat Garrick. That's it. There's <laughs> not really much comparison for six-mana Planeswalkers, but, like, ever since well, I've Sturin seen... Well, is a six-mana Planeswalker, but he's he's found his way out of most cubes. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I actually completely forgot about that guy. Good call. But yeah, it's just like so, such like huge board impact. And like, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, what's that card? Assembled Legion when it's like in big mode. Not like when you have like one or two guys, when you have three guys. And it's like three, 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 three. Just like, if they can't deal with it quickly, they're just dead. And that's my experience with it. Like, there was somebody who was like thinking it was like bad while I was cubing with, and it was like, lol, no. This card's absurd. Man, it turns out, yeah, it's, it's very good. Um, okay, so, uh, I'll go ahead and lay it out. I think this is the best card in Theros. Just straight up. Like, I think, I think this is going to be, like, you know, all downhill from here for me as far as the rest of the Theros cards. Uh, I think this card is completely insane. Um, I, I really, Kind of echo what Usman was just saying about how people were evaluating and what, what, what everyone thinks they know about planeswalkers. Like when people are saying, oh, the sweet spot for planeswalkers is four mana, uh, unless this happens or this happens or this happens. Well, it's just planeswalkers, like ultimately, what have they been around? What, like six, six years now? I think this is, I think this is the sixth year of planeswalker existing. We're still like learning things about these cards and like what they're capable of and what's good and what's not good. And like, you know, you would think a two mana planeswalker would be good because it costs two mana, but Tybalt is probably the worst planeswalker ever. Um, Karn costs seven mana. I think he's like the second, I think he's personally the second best planeswalker. I think most everyone else would probably say he's after the, after uh, the first Elspeth, Elspeth Knight Errant. But either way, he costs seven mana and he's insane. I think this Elspeth is completely insane too. It's, it's, it is more impossible to kill than Elspeth Knight Errant. Equally or more impossible to kill than Elspeth Terrell. It easily wins you the game on its own. And not only does it win you the game, people can try, attempt to fight through it and be unsuccessful because it puts three tokens in play. Just for reference. And it's so often oh. it's just like, I'm gonna try to like, Try to fight Elspeth on its terms. It's like, okay, I guess I'm going to try going after Elspeth. Like, even if you have, like, four guys. Like, say you have four beasts. Or, like, four, like, one wonders. It's like, okay, I guess I'll attack Elspeth. Okay, chomp, chomp, chomp. She goes down. I'll make three more. Are you getting, yeah. you getting through and, and that? At that point, exactly. And at that point, if, you, if you're able to untap with Elspeth, which is very difficult for you to not be able to do so, because you put three creatures into play, and assuming that you're playing things other than that, you probably have some other slight board presence. But even if you don't, let's say you're playing a control deck, 
your opponent has to shift their focus entirely to this card, or they will lose to it, and there's, like, not another option. And she's meant to defend herself, like, I was thinking about it, like, most of the only things that, like, she can't defend herself against are, like, Lingering Souls, V-Click, like, Shadow Guys, and, like, Shadow Guys, it's okay. Um, you get it down to, I'll plus one it. Okay, uh, keep going. <laughs> yeah, but then even, like, so, let's say it takes you three turns to kill it. Like, what are you doing with those nine tokens you put into play in the meantime? Yeah. Like, that's all, that's, that's so many creatures. Not only that, like, what if you're able to plus it, block, make them commit more to the board, and what if they're playing creatures that are able to be destroyed by her second ability, which does not kill her even if you put her into play and activate it immediately? There's no easy way to fight this card unless you have, like what he was saying, like, Lingering Souls or Spectral Procession tokens. Because, uh, like, even if you have, like, one, like, giant flyer and you can't kill it in one hit, then it's still really difficult because it's susceptible to its middle ability. Well, right, because if you play it, I mean, you're not going to play it right into a large flyer that you can't deal with with, through other means. Exactly. Yeah, and if you do, you're you're either going to play it and then blow up their big flyer and then protect it with your ground guys, or you're going to not use the second ability and you're just going to uh, start using the first ability. The other thing I like, too, is... You know, kind of some of my things when I like Planeswalkers and when I don't, you know, there's some characteristics I always look for. Um, These aren't always true, but I think they're a good starting point in evaluation and reasons why there are certain Planeswalkers that I don't like that lots of other people do. And uh, one of the the big ones for me is, um, and in no particular order, is can it protect itself? Yeah, um, I think that's pretty well. Not important. Well, that's super important. But this one, I, I think that's a very honest, good starting point for where to go with this. Can this card defend itself? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it puts three separate blockers into play, or can blow up big creatures right away without dying itself. I mean, so super high marks there. And the other thing I'd like to look at too is does its ultimate win you the game when it resolves? Um, that's another thing I like to look at. Because while there are some good uh, Planeswalkers that have only, you know, uh, one or two abilities effectively, um, I, I feel like well, very well-designed Planeswalkers have a, an ultimate that wins you the game. And does this? Well, it's pretty darn good. But what you have to realize is in order to get it there, even if it left unmolested, means you will have nine one ones in play, which means you will have nine three three flyers. Uh, and that's like, the third thing, which is, is twenty. Do its abilities what, play well together? Right, even if like, money yeah, enough to win you the game. Even if you have like chump yeah. block each of those turns, say you only have like three guys, you know, through attrition and whatever. Like, yeah, you still have three three threes of flying. Like that's well, right. And here's and here's the thing too is you know the nice thing about planeswalkers is they cast their own spells, right? So you actually have your own mana to cast other spells as well, which might be mm, I don't know, cast some creatures. Yeah, that are going to benefit from said emblem. So, and, you know, as I said, that's kind of my third thing, is do the abilities play well together? Yeah, and um, they definitely seem to. And, and these are are very synergistic. Um, you know, we're making small dudes, we're making big dudes die, and all, also we're making our small dudes into bigger dudes. So uh, I, I like it a lot. I feel like it's a very natural uh, upgrade to Elspeth Tyrell. Um I, I think the only thing that, you know, you'll have to consider is, you know, 
White by far, I think, has an embarrassment of riches as far as number of planeswalkers. Sure. Yeah, um, easily. And, and at some point, you know, what, you know, we don't like to limit things, but at some point, wh- what do you take out for it in order, if you still want white to be your aggressive color, if you still want white to support, you know, your control decks, uh, which this does, at, at what point do you, you know, what cards do you take out to make room for something like this? Uh, you know, like I said, Terrell would be, and it seems like a, a very natural upgrade, but you know, I'm not sure what the answer to that is if you have already replaced Terrell. Yeah, I'd like, I, I would like. Maybe uh, another six drop finisher, maybe a Yose, maybe something like that, uh, yeah. if they still have him hanging around, cause this card can very obviously fashion as a finisher. It can function as a finisher, I should say. So maybe it's something like that that you take out uh, that can, you know, that functions well. But then if you, you know, if you take it out, then you lose some of your uh, combo capability for, like, the, uh, what's his name, Dex? The uh, Recurring Nightmare Dex. So, you know, so you have to kind of think about that uh, as you're replacing cards and putting cards in and out is, yeah, it seems like a, you know, oh, yeah, this, this seems like a good upgrade, but what are the other effects of removing that other card you have? And, and honestly, uh, like, I think I just haven't really been super happy with Elspeth's hero in my cube, to be completely honest. Like, my, Mine has been gone for a number of months already. Yeah, I remember when you did the Planeswalker ranking, you had her as dead last, and being like, wow, that's that's really crazy, and then being... Well, like, yeah, of the ones I listed. Yeah, and then <laughs> I think of the one, and then the ones I think I was thinking about, I'm like, she just doesn't do anything. She just well, she, has, she, she does this dance, right? She does the, the, the minus two plus two dance. Yeah. And yeah. you never feel like you can just spam one or the other. Yeah. Because like, in order for her to protect herself, she has to damage herself. In yeah, order for her to get closer to, to the good. ultimate, you, you have to, you know, not protect her, you know? Yeah. And it just seems like it's so slow to ride that wave. It's just like, I guess three guys, hope they defend me over two turns. Oh, right. It's not like oh. the, uh, it's not like the Karn wave. Like, the Karn wave is, you know, remove a card, blow up two permanents. Or blow up a permanent, remove a card, blow up two more permanents. You know, that wave is, is you actually get somewhere with that wave. Yeah. Um, it's kind of trading wave. water but that way. It's just like, nope. I, I don't, right, exactly. I don't I don't feel like you're necessarily getting ahead doing the Elspeth Terrell dance. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, you know, if someone wants to submit a uh, YouTube video on what the Elspeth Terrell dance looks like, that's... Yeah. Uh, that more into it. Maybe, maybe it can. Uh, maybe we'll have to come up with a song for the Elspeth Terrell dance. Just find we'll, a picture of a we'll, dog treading water. That's that, that's the Elspeth Terrell dance. Just <laughs> about dog treading water. Just put so doggy, the doggy paddle. Yeah, just put like yakety sacks or. But I'm blue to that. There you go. That's the Elspeth. It's not blue. Come on, man. Um, white flames walking So yeah, I mean, I, I think we have a very good successor and. And I might add that I, I don't think there's anybody out there uh, who can speak to Planeswalker magic when it comes to the cube better than Justin Parnell can. There's, there's nobody that. out there I know who loves playing, playing Planeswalker magic in cube. Maybe a Ruben Bresler, but uh, Senior Parnell is, is, is number one on my list when I think of people to evaluate Planeswalkers. Yeah, in cube I, uh... context. And this is, and just another thing, this is a, another small thing, just to make this even better. I'll give you guys 60 seconds. Can you name three creatures in cube together that have higher toughness than power? Go. Toughness and power? Yeah. That are in U.S. Uh, cubes. Go ahead. Elish Norn. Uh-huh. Wall of what was, what? Blossoms. Wall of Roots. 
wall of right, other, other than walls. Okay, creatures, oh. creatures, creatures that can attack Elspeth. That have higher. Course, Sky Fisher. Uh, Elish Norn. Uh, Deathrite Shaman. <laughs> All right. Okay. Am so I allowed? Am I allowed to mention a Sundering Titan? <laughs> Sundering Titan's a good one. Yeah, okay, so well versus Elspeth was like okay, with the one one the the, the non trampling seven eleven body. Yeah, ba- Battle Sphere. So, yeah, yeah, Battle Sphere. So point, yeah, Battle is a good one. That's probably the best answer. But uh, so the point leading this is all of the most of the creatures that have higher toughness of power easily die to the minus three ability, and right. the rest of the creatures easily trade with the three one ones. So or you have a very yeah, you have a very small number of creatures. Like, Restoration Angel um, is basically like Elspeth Proof, because it, it gets at her at three in the air, and it still dodges her minus three. And Mere Battlesphere for much the same reason, because it, it uh, you know, it puts the same one more creature on the battlefield than Elspeth does with her plus three, even after you do the minus three. So, But outside of, like, just a handful of creatures, there's not very many creatures that can just, like, attack her efficiently. Well, and the other thing with Restoration Angel, too, is, I mean, you are playing a white deck. There's a chance the Restoration Angel may wind up in your deck. In your deck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Which uh, eliminates it from ye old pool of creatures that other people may have to attack it with. That's true. So, so uh, the long and the short of it, I think this card uh, is, uh, I'm not going to say insane, but it's really, really damn good. Yeah, very good. Agree. Next. Speaking of a card that probably isn't very good, should, should we talk about that card? <laughs> I mean, mention it briefly. We can we can run our way through these. Iliad, God of the Sun. Two and two white for a five six indestructible. As long as your devotion to white is less than five, Iliad isn't a creature. And devotion is each white in the white mana cost of permanence you control counts towards your devotion to white. Other creatures you can control have vigilance. Spend two and two white, put a two-one white cleric enchantment creature token onto the battlefield. Man, this enchantment thing is so tacked on, honestly. It just feels so, just like, it's an enchantment creature. Sure, why not? And it's a cleric, because, uh, sure, it's a cleric. I, I don't know, it's just a four-mana, super stacked, and this guy just seems kind of eh. Slow. Well... Four mana white is a very crowded spot in cube. Mm-hmm. Um, and for something that, you know, if it doesn't become a god, all your creatures have vigilance, pay four mana, make a 2-1. Not, not super impressed by that. And I, I, just that alone, especially since it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't even have evasion of any sort itself. And it's other creatures you control, yeah, it's indestructible or whatever, but... I don't know. I just don't think this card is very efficient, nor does it support something that I like to do. Um, if I want a white token generator, there are numbers of other ones I can... I, I would rather have Sacred Mesa in my deck than, than this card. I'd rather have Mobilization. I almost said that, but I decided to go for something better, a little bit better than that. Or Dude Ranch, you know? Oh, it's the Outpost? Yeah. 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 So... Not not a fan. Although the god thing is interesting, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that later on too. But this one is going to be a pass for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say uh, the coolest thing about this card 
the the creature tokens that it uh, that it puts into play look really really sweet. Yeah, the golem ones for uh, Hammer Perforos also look. Yeah, really, really they cool. uh, the tokens look pretty badass, so I'll give it that. Yeah, hard itself, man. Yep, uh, okay. pass pass for me as well. We continue on. Yep. Okay, I guess I'll take this one. Uh, so this is uh, this will be a recurring theme. Is uh, a card that's very similar to another card in most of the ways that it's going to interact in a cube environment, and that's Soldier of the Pantheon. It is a creature for one white mana, a two-one human soldier. With protection from multicolored, whenever an opponent casts a multicolored spell, you gain one life. Yeah, I, I, don't, I just don't see how this isn't an auto-include for the vast majority. Um, even if you don't want to add any more white creatures, any more aggressive creatures for some reason, you can just upgrade your Savannah Lion slash Elite Vanguard. But you probably should. Like, unless, I mean, your, unless your cube is super small, like, just do it. Just It seems a lot of the times when people are doing that, it's just... I'll be blunt. It just—it's just being lazy. Like I'll just replace uh, Elite Vanguard. Yeah, you—you you suck now. It's like, come on. Like, if that's the point, then like, what are you like? What are you even doing? Yeah. Like you're—it's—I don't know. I—I I feel like you have a. If, if you're doing that, you're—you're you're passing up an opportunity to advance an archetype by simply yeah. adding another line of text onto a card that you already have. And it is lazy. I completely agree. Yeah. Like, it's fine if, if you're like, hey, I have reached the maximum number of two ones for one that I want this color to have, which I've never heard anyone say, and I would probably just shake my head if, if anyone said that. But let's say you're in a case where you do have a very small cube, and you're just like, I don't want any more of these type creatures. Then that's fine. But otherwise, like, I don't know. Like the day... I, I like attacking too much. There may be a day when, like, I'll replace those kinds of cards, but today is not that day. Like, I still don't think we're at that point when there's, like, too many two ones with one. Like, yeah, and I'm, I, I'm uh, trying to imagine in my mind so. when the protection would be a drawback. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, you can't equip it, or you can't enchant it with, like, all the armadillo cloaks. You can't put Behemoth Sledge. Yeah, you can't put Behemoth right. Sledge. Uh, or the cloak, or the new one. You can't uh, reset it with Vincer, which I don't think you'd want to do, but you can't right. do that. Yeah? Um, yeah? Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of kind of out. Not many of, downsides. Uh, not many downsides. Not not any real ones, anyway. So. No, nothing really real. So, yeah, thumbs up. Yep. Seems, seems really good. Yep. All right. Next is, and I think this is the final white card we're going to talk about, and I think this is an, one of the interesting cards. This is the first of our legendary, uh, basically, weapons cards. And this is the Spear of Heliod. Uh, and this is a one white, white legendary enchantment artifact. Get as many subtypes on there as possible. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And for one white, white, and tap it, destroy target creature that dealt damage to you this turn. So what we have here is Glorious Anthem, but with a side, with a slightly more vulnerability being an artifact and, uh, slightly better because we actually get this, uh, Avenging Arrow type effect. You know, Avenging Arrow is just dealt damage. I'm sure there's another card that does this exact same thing. It's like Reciprocate or something, wasn't that one of them? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. 
I feel like if you're in the neighborhood for anthems, then why wouldn't you add another one? And this is perfectly reasonable to add, to continue your plan. Also, the the fact that it's glorious anthem and not crusade also makes it you know even though it does have double white in the cost does give it a little more flexibility as far as a little more value across your multicolor decks. And you know there are going to be times where that ability I think is going to come in handy that you're just going to have some mm-hmm. extra mana around and you're just going to be like okay well kill that dude. So yeah. it makes racing situations kind of weird for the opponent I think. Right, because it helps the race in, in, in two different directions. You know, it increases your clock while have, having the ability to decrease theirs. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a, uh, a sweet card if you're playing, like, well, let's go back to Elspeth, like a, a deck that uh, is more of a controllish deck that's able to put tokens into play either via Planeswalkers or, you know, Lingering Souls or Clubgut Ranger. Uh, that you really do like the second effect, uh, just because you need a defensive card, but it actually has application for, for both. So I think that's really sweet. Um. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of how, how much you support the token archetype. Um, personally, I don't play, uh, any straight up anthems in mine unless they have a bunch of, you know, I play Marari's Wake because, you know. Sure. Auxiliary effects. Um. But, uh, you know, but this card is, is now getting closer for me wanting to look at it for inclusion uh, because, of, because of the extra text that it has. I'm not nearly that concerned about the extra vulnerability of it being an artifact, even though that, that certainly does give people more chances to get rid of it since there are uh, – most cubes have more creatures that destroy an artifact when it comes into play than destroy an enchantment when it comes into play. Uh, so you give people, you know, uh, a way to play their uh, – Uktavi orangutan and, and have a target for it. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, if they're blowing this up and then they're not blowing up the sword, you play a turn or a couple turns later, like maybe that's good, you know. So I, I feel like if you're a, if you're a big token supporter, which is certainly a fine strategy um, that white can take on as a persona and uh, possibly other colors as well, well foreshadowing that. Uh, this is almost an auto include, I think, if you just want to push that archetype. Once again, don't don't punish yourself for a way to to continue to support an archetype by taking Glorious Anthem out and putting this card in its place. If you're going exactly. to play them, then you play both. Yep, kind of same thing like we were saying with Soldier of the Pantheon. You know, right? That's uh, lazy lazy cube building. Have a reason for for why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I do I do like that this card is an artifact in this particular case because it allows red decks to interact with it if they want to. So even though it's like a downside if you're drafting it, I think it's an upside in cube design. Sure. Uh, so especially since red, you know, red has historically has trouble with enchantments, so Exactly. And they would they would certainly have trouble with the uh the second ability and this is a that's a that's a nice little way to uh for them to be able to interact with it via smash into the rings. Manic Vandal, etc. All right. Would you guys like to go blue or red next? Um, um I'm thinking blue. <laughs> that stupid song. God. <laughs> stupid song. I hate it. All right. I would, like to, it. I would like to touch on uh, one other white card just for uh, 30 seconds. Sure. I think for uh, really large cubes, like h- higher than 720 cards, 
I think Chain Garox is another is another probably playable removal spell. It's probably going to go late, uh, but if you see it like in the in if you're drafting and you see it in like the first half of the packs, like in pack one or the beginning of pack two, uh, and you're able to kind of draft towards it, it can be kind of sweet. But you definitely have to have a much larger cube, like over 720 cards, before you even get to that point. I don't know. I think it's I think it's good enough to put into smaller cubes. Honestly, like do you? It's one mana removal, like. Yeah, it is. It is, for sure. Requires being in Boros, but that's not too bad of a drawback. It's like, I don't know. It, it does suck if your lane gets blown up, and it's kind of a Nambo with Geddens, which is which is pretty awkward. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty sick if you're like in a, in a, like a white-red aggro deck, and you literally just lay this, and you know they're not getting a land, they're not getting any life, their creature's just gone. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to cast this, uh, I don't know, Maloku. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's certainly a powerful card in, in that sort of archetype for sure. In that in that Boros archetype, just a one mana, uh, you know, in in a Boros deck, t- you know, pretty much unconditional, just gone, no drawbacks, you know. I you know I, I certainly like it. I I would just have a hard time. I, I would even have a hard time including counting it as a pure white spell and not as a white red spell. Yeah, I think that's definitely the way to go about it. So, and and you know, with Boros, I mean, you could probably find some room. You know, maybe if you're in the six to seven card size for your sections, uh, you can probably you know negotiate some room down at that end. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, uh, air's a little thin at the top for uh, for Chain to the Rocks. So, but it's certainly a sweet card, and I'm. I got a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot of it constructed, especially this first month or two. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, blue cards. All right, how about some pigs? Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, I guess we'll talk about that one. X double blue sorcery for a curse of the swine. X double blue sorcery exile X target creatures for each creature exiled this way. Its controller puts a two-two green boar token onto the battlefield, like. Honestly, I can't think of many of these cards that, like, downgrade a creature as ever really doing much in cube. I've never, like, I've never even really big been, like, a big fan of, like, Gildan, like, Drake, for example. And that's, like, probably one of the better, like, downgrade creatures, you know? Yeah, probably, probably might be the best one, and that's, that's pretty telling. Yeah. Like, I guess Beast Within and, like... Right, but then we know, as a lot of us have learned with Beast Within, is that it's not a negligible drawback. Yeah, like, a drawback. It's, a, it's a real drawback, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 3-3 three is a lot. And 2-2s two two are definitely smaller, but it just seems like... And it's sorcery speed, which is pretty clunky. Like, it just seems like a really awkward, like, kind of wrath, kind of... Okay, so so here's the thing about this card. I think that the card qual... I think... Were this card printed years and years ago, it would be a neat cube card. Because it would be another way for blue decks to quote-unquote wrath and get rid of big problems. The problem is is that the card quality now of cubes just have way better things to do for this kind of mana and this kind of thing. But I think what you're going to see is in Constructed, if this card makes an appearance, it's going to be making an appearance in decks with with cards like Ratchet Bomb. Because in conjunction with Ratchet Bomb, it's actually just wipe everything. Yep. Yeah. So, 
but I, I don't think Cube is the right format for this card. Even though it is neat, even though it is entertaining, the, the board tokens are pretty awesome, if you've yes. seen those. Yes, they're <laughs> awesome. They have armor. That is Yes, <laughs> it's like the boar crawling out of the armor that it, that it wore when it was a man. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a flavor win, I, I think it, ap- there are applications, I just don't think they're in the cube. Yeah, the uh, sorcery speed kills it for me pretty much. Yep. That's, uh, that's about yep. it. Yep, yep, yep. All right, next. All right, uh, I'll take this next one. So we have uh, dissolve, which is uh, instant counters a spell. You scry one for one colorless mana and two blue mana. All right, so we basically have uh, we basically have an uh, an upgrade for uh, cancel. For all, the, for all those of you who love Cancel. Oh boy, Cancel. <laughs> However, I, I, I think Scry is a powerful mechanic, especially in blue. Um, but it's just hard for me to get excited about this card. I mean, yeah. it's not like, you know, the, uh, what's his name, where you get to, you know, uh, where you get to uh, X, you know, X counter their spell. You know, uh, you get to you know, variable mana leak their spell, and you yeah. get to scry too. And, like, Which honestly, I've never... Condescend. Yeah, condescend. Condescend. I'm so bad at card names we're talking about. This. I don't understand. But like, the closest analog I can think is, is, like, to dissipate, and honestly, like, I've never been a fan of dissipate in cube. Like, it just yeah. seems like it costs way too much mana, and, like, the exile thing is just, like, super corner casey. And I guess I'd, like, dissolve better than dissipate, but, like, I, I, I really wouldn't want... Either really, yeah. I, I think this this is a card that can see play like in uh, non you know format cube formats that don't include actual counter spell. Because let's face it, Wizards has made it very clear to us that counter target spell costs three mana, two of which are blue. Mm-hmm. Or at least it's a hard that, counter. They've they've made that right. They've made that very clear to us that that's how much this effect costs. Um. And if you are playing a format like a modern cube or, you know, like modern face only or something like that, then you're really looking at your baseline counter spells for hard, hard counters is three mana. In that case, I think this card goes, goes right in if you want, if you still want to support that sort of thing. Um, however, when you lay it next to the miscalculations and condescends and mana leaks and actual counter spell, or something like three mana, like forbid, you know, where you can take over and lock down, a, you know, lock out a game with forbid. I think uh, this card's a, a little on the embarrassing side. So, yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of boring. Not much else to say. Right. All right. Master of the Waves. So Master of the Waves is three and a blue for a 2-1 Merfolk Wizard. Has protection from red. Elemental creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And when Master of the Waves enters the battlefield, put a number of one, zero blue elemental creature tokens onto the battlefield equal to your devotion to blue. Devotion, of course, is for the number of permanents with the colored mana symbols that you have. So, I think this card is really cool. Oh, yeah. Cool-wise, definitely. I think this card's really cool. 
Oh, man, but for Cube, I just have a hard time picturing a deck that wants this card. I'm guessing, like, the decks, like the like the sacrifice decks that are becoming more popular nowadays with, like, Goblin Bombardment and Carrion Feeder, like, I guess this provides fuel for it, but, like, it's when it comes down to it, it's still four mana in blue. Like, Well, and, and you need a bunch of blue permanents in play ahead of time to really make this thing tick. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying to think if, like, even with, like, a blue permanent, like, say you get two tokens, like, like say you have, like, a wall of, uh, like, a Merfolk looter or something, or, like, a, I don't know, a... The, the dream for me would be casting opposition and casting this guy next turn. Sure. Wow. Yeah? But I think that's, I think that's as good as it gets. Yeah. It's also really vulnerable. Like, if it dies, then, oh, so do your permanents. Yeah. It just, like, makes it, like, a really awkward kind of, like, precursor golem. Yeah, like, I, I would I would rather the elemental tokens be zero one tokens than one zero tokens. Yeah. Right, so if this guy so if this guy bites it, you still have something to show for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm wondering if it if it works in the right like with if you really go like super hard in the uh, support for it. But even still, I just don't know if it's really worth it. Honestly. So, so thoughts on turn three Plume Veil, turn four Master of the Waves. Wow. Wow. Yep, that's pretty good too. That's pretty good. I'm trying to imagine scenario, somewhat likely scenarios that that this would be, this would do something, you know? Turn three... Sanity grinding? Oh, there you go. I'd say turn three baby Jace and then turn four this guy. That's, that's not awful. Yeah, that's not, and that's not unrealistic either. Yeah. Um, I think he's ultimately at the end of the day, he, there's too many non-red ways to kill him in cube. Uh, this makes him a little too fragile. He can't ever attack either. Right. Like, just yeah. never. Right, so I think even like he has Island Walk. I mean, he's the master of the waves. Why doesn't he have Island Walk again? I don't know. He's, he's the master. lazy, lazy master of the waves. Oh, lazy master of the waves. Fat-ass master of the waves or something. <laughs> he's been hanging out with Guru Color of Beast too much. <laughs> yeah, right. He's Fat Garrick. He and Fat Garrick spend too much quality time together at the dinner table. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, cool card. Um, I, I'm just I'm having trouble finding uh, finding ways for it to be good for its cost. Yeah. I'd love to be wrong on it, though. I would, I would love for this card to be good. Same. Me too. Yeah, this card's neat. I, I mean, I can imagine, you know, uh, Merfolk decks. I mean, can you imagine this on, like, a legacy Merfolk curve? If, you know, you, you're, like, turn one curse catcher, turn two random lord, you know, uh, lord of Atlantis, mm-hmm. turn three, three drop lord, turn four this guy. Seems, whew. Not too bad. Not too yep. shabby. Unfortunately, the, the things aren't more folks. So. Yeah, elemental thing is so uh, weird. It's like, ugh. Yeah, ele- elementals. So. Well, it, it well, makes you know. your mall drifter bigger. Woo! I, I think it's real sweet for a uh, casual Merfolk deck. Yeah. How's that? Or, uh, or an evoke deck. Ow! That, sorry. Ow! Stop biting my toe. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be a show without me, uh, making a comment. About your cat. About ye old kitten. No, seriously, that stole my toe. Stop. <laughs> All right, next card. <laughs> I guess Omen Speaker. Uh, one in a blue for a 1-3. Uh, 
When it enters the battlefield, scry two. Eh. I guess should we talk about, like, the relative value of scrying, like, scry two versus whatever? Sure. This seems like a good time. Uh, I don't know what to say about it. Okay. I, I think, uh, I would rather draw a card than scry three, and I would rather scry four than draw a card. How about that? That's where I, I think that's where I stand on, on scry. So I'm trying to imagine here. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I could be down with that. That seems a, about right. Because um, the, the the value of an unknown card is is well, not only variable, but there's a lot of other things you can do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than just you know we uh, you like setting ourselves up, but there's something about just having more cards in hand just represents a lot more than. Than, than even if it's just a land, you know, exactly. like yeah. Uh, but Scry Four is no joke, as we all learned playing like Four C in limited formats. Exactly, yeah. Like that card is oof. Yeah, that card is unreal. I mean, I, I considered that card card for cube for a while, just because Scry to, Four Peel Two is oh, so good. I was actually I thinking about it recently. Yeah, with read the well, I guess foreshadowing with read the bones, it kind of reminds me of Four uh, C quite a bit as far as just how it, the application of it. I used to call 4C main phase factor fiction. Yeah? Mm. Oh my god, that's kind of what it felt like. Yeah? Oh my god, so much foreshadowing. But yeah, like, I... Uh, I'm not real excited by 1-3s for 2. I could not be less excited about this card, and I'll let you guys talk about it from here on out. I, I don't know if I really have much. Like, it's just no. kind of like, meh. It seems like a poor man's wall of blossoms or wall of whatever omens. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I you know if if this card excites you, then you know I have a, a one three flyer. Perhaps you'd like to take a look at. For I thought it was just a one one flyer. No, no, no. There's, it's a one three for two, man. Best card in the set. Oh, right on, right on. So if this card excites you, you should probably stop playing Nemesis Limited. <laughs> <laughs> Can I introduce you to my friend Augur of Bolas? Yeah. What, what do you think would be is better for Cube? This or Augur of Bolas? I think it's Augur of Bolas. I don't even like. I don't even. Yeah, it's Augur of Bolas. Not close. I don't even like Augur of Bolas that much. Right. I'm not even playing. That's how much I just like either. Yeah. I mean, unless you're unless for some reason your aggressive decks filled with two ones for one, especially after this set are just so dominant that you need a creature that can block it and survive, then yeah, but I, I, I just don't think that day is here. Yeah. Given given availability to uh, all, all cards, that day is just not here. So. It may be something in the future, but yeah, no, not today. But by then we'll have one threes that, like, you know, Ancestral Recall when they come into play for two, so. <laughs> yeah. So until that day, I'm not gonna worry about it. It'll have That's affinity. It'll be four and a blue affinity for islands. Affinity for magic players in the room. There you go. <laughs> Next card. Frog. Frog metal sphinx. Frog monastic sphinx. Three double blue for three five flyer. Uh, discard a card. It gains hexproof until the end of turn and tap it. Whenever it attacks, scry three. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this card, because I, 
I definitely feel one particular way about it, and I want to see if I can be convinced the other way. Okay. I actually kind of like it. Like, blue pies are kind of, like, weak. Like, I'm a loku, and... Yeah, I'm a loku. That's about it. Okay. I don't know. It just seems like... I, at first, I was kind of, like, not too happy about it, and then I thought of it kind of, like, as a, a, a thieving magpie, kind of, that can defend itself, kind of. Maybe? Yeah. Maybe? No? Well... Given given my previous statement about where I felt Scry was in comparison to drawing a card and Scry thing Scry three being less than drawing a card, uh, I think the the best part about this guy is he's virtually unkillable. I did have the pleasure, and I put pleasure in quotations, uh, of playing against this in a blue white deck, uh, the Theris pre release, uh, and it was not virtually unkillable. It was literally unkillable. <laughs> Like, there's nothing I could ever do, and I died to it both games. My opponent played it, and it was uh, was pretty disheartening. However, I am not excited about this guy for cube. I think he kind of just... I think when you play him, Scry 3, you're kind of just, like, playing with yourself a lot. Like, you're you're not getting anywhere killing people with this card, and you have to... You have to, you have to, you have to lay a five mana sorcery speed investment into playing it. And he is going to stop some creatures from attacking and you're not going to be able to kill him. Uh, but I think there's just more powerful things you can be doing at five mana. Like, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm being less and less excited about the card bribery as the years go on. Um, and I'd much rather be playing bribery than this card. So, I don't know. I, did, I, I, I imagine this is how Anthony feels, similar to this, but I could be wrong. I This card makes my head hurt how I, unexcited I am by it. <laughs> that it yeah. seems like it's got a bunch of great numbers and a bunch of great things to do, and then I sit and I try to imagine it in practice, and I'm just like, what does this card do? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I look at this card and I compare it to, like, other blue finishers, or, you know, and things in the 5-plus range. And it, I feel like it pales in comparison. I look at the Scry 3 and I think, man, that's no joke. You know, that's actually really good. But then I read it and I'm like, oh, wow, it's got, you, can get, you can give it hexproof. That's cool. Except for the part where it says, tap it. So if you're protecting it, you can't attack with it and thereby get the value of almost drawing a card. You're like, combat. They're like, Try to kill it, and you're like, "Well, now it's tapped." To Which be fair, means one, how often you can't attack happen? with it. Well, one, you can't attack with it. Two, you can't block with it. Then, and isn't that part of the value of the you know the five but, foot? Yeah, <laughs> is that you're able to do something with it? And, and and I'm trying to like imagine scenarios where this is going to be good, and I just can't. I can't do it. I, I can't find a reason to want to play this over Sphinx of Lost Truths, which is something that I had already cut. Five mana, three, five. It still gives you that discard outlet right away, right? You get to, you get to, you know, peel three and discard three. So you get to discard. If you want a discard outlet at that point in the game, you have it right there. But you're also getting three new cards, you know, and, and possibly discarding some Drek from your hand. Um, How was that card when you, it feels like it's one of those cards I've like asked you about several times, like, 
not on the podcast. It, it was fine. I think it would be better if I more heavily supported uh, Reanimator in my cube. Um, but it certainly is. It was certainly okay. And the the card was obviously best when you got to kick it. When you got to kick it, it it, it felt amazing. And you know, in a control deck type thing where you get to you know just ancestral on top of it, it just you know it was great. But ultimately, it got cut, and I feel like this card is worse than that card. Yes, can you kill it? Yes, I can see in Justin's situation how this card would be just absolutely miserable to play against in regular um, sealed or regular and rest limited, assured, I say. You will lose to it in Theros Limited, whoever plays against it. Yeah. Yes. I'll, po- I'll apologize ahead of time. It's, the art, it, the art it is so goofy on it, too. It seems real tough to deal with. Um, and it, it looks like its beard has teeth. But yes, I looks like, like, yeah. That's what I thought when I first saw it. When I first saw the art, I'm like, why does this have teeth in its beard? I was like, oh. Never mind. <laughs> just answer my own question. Thanks. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just not excited about this card. I just don't dig it that much. It's I'm having trouble finding situations where it's going to be really great. Um, and you know, maybe in the control versus control mirror, but I feel like uh, a lot of times, like the aggro or mid range decks might be might be just fine with you tapping at every turn to try to protect it. And, yeah, because they're still losing a card when they do it. Yeah. Right. And it's not like it is Magpie where you are drawing its replacement when you do get to attack with it. So, you know, so maybe you'd have this cycle of, okay, I can attack with it, peel a card, then use that card to protect it when they try to kill it on their turn. Um, but, yeah, I just – I think I'd rather run Sphinx of Lost Truths for the for the better upside. And, you know, if you're in a position, I think, where you're atta- in cube where you're attacking with this guy reliably every turn, you're probably winning that you're game. You're winning right. regardless. Yeah. <laughs> like, regardless of what the described three may or not be for you. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna, you know, pass on this one. Yep. I agree. Alright, Senor Justin, would you like, the, this one? Sure. Alright. So, uh, here we come to another interesting discussion card, and that is Thassa, or Thassa, God of the Sea. And it is, of course, the blue god. It is making it a legendary creature enchantment. It costs two and a blue for a 5-5 indestructible that requires devotion to blue of five. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you scry one, and you can activate its ability of one and a blue to make target creature you control unable to be blocked this turn. Much closer than, than the white god. This yeah. is, I feel like, a card we can actually discuss for inclusion. Um, if, if we discount the ability of it becoming a creature, and we just look at what it does otherwise, so, uh, upkeep scry one. So, uh, wasn't a think tank basically like you get to mill your, look at your top card and mill it if you want to. Exactly. So this is kind of think tanky, right? So you kind of mm-hmm. get to do that every turn, decide if you want that top card or not. Um, and then it also has this ability of, you know, just target creature you control can't be blocked. Um, and then when you look at some of the blue creatures we've gotten recently, things uh, like uh, uh, Geist of St. Traft or things of that nature. And I, I don't, you know, unlike the four mana make a two one, I don't think this is a blank ability. I think this this has some teeth, especially because 
of the single blue in the cost and the single blue in the activation. Um, I feel like this could much easier see play in a uh, bant color like tempo build or, you know, like a blue-black tempo build or something like that and, and make a, a pretty good impact on the game. Uh, and the three mana cost is, is nice. It's the, it's the right, it's the right cost. Yeah. You know, like, you know, not easy to splash, uh, or easy to cast, I should say, and three mana instead of, you know, four or five. Uh, I think this card's real close for me. I, I, I think this is one of those cards I want to try out and see, and just see how good this, uh, the incremental advantage of Scry 1 is every turn. Yeah, and I found it's, it's kind of like a very subtle effect. Like, when I've played it, and it's, like, a very subtle effect, but it has a very nice effect on the game. Like, it's one of those things where you never quite, like, uh, you do, it's like, if it does positively swing the game, like, in a very big way, which it, which it does, you know, if it lives for a while, it's very hard to, like, quantitatively say, like, this is what won me a game, you know, just because it's very subtle, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, where it's doing its thing, it's like, oh, nope, oh, there, oh, nope. About, you know, it's very kind of like a very subtle effect where it just kind of helps smooth your draws out for free. And I've heard people like saying, oh, Think Tank isn't very good in cube, so this card isn't very good. Yeah, like, Shock sucks, but like, he's playing Shock, and like, how often do you kick Burst Lightning? Like, you're playing it for the overall package, not just for what common base scenario is or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And, and, and like, there's a lot of double blues. Oh, I don't know. Hello? Yeah, Justin, you, yep. you okay? Yeah. It yeah. sounds like a bunch of like shuffling around and stuff. Like. Oh, no, I'm still good. So okay. I got a bunch of stuff hitting the microphone or something coming from somewhere. Actually, to check. No, 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 it's good. They're all snoozing. Oh, it's the Phantom Cat. They're, they're yeah, done. Like, the biting unlock- my feet. And- oh, there you go. And the unblockable thing is pretty, like, like, it's... It's it's one of those things that I find like in control things where you can go from like offense or defense to offense and just be able to like sw- turn that switch is very useful in those decks and right to be able to actually possible. close the game out. Yeah, and that's kind this of why like Aetherling is so good. Yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. That's one of the things that I really like about Aetherling because it can go from like stall, stall, stall to just like okay, game on. You know, just go eight, eight. You know, just like completely just turn on the switch, and that's why I like uh. You know, OG Elspeth was so good. It could just, you know, turn, go from offense or defense to offense so quickly, where it's something like, like, uh, what's that? The new Soren, like, wasn't able to as much. It's, I mean, it's still a very good cube card, but that's probably why it never, like, its impact in standard wasn't that high, is because it couldn't turn around that quickly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think, I like Faza. It's, it's pretty solid. And I think most of the value derive like comes from the abilities because I, I'm having a hard time imagining where the, you're going to have enough. Blue is not a very permanent based color. Um, I'm having trouble in, in you know imagining very many scenarios where you just have devotion five. You know? I had it. I had it happen once, and that was when uh, Riftwing Cloudscape unsuspended, and I had like a Planeswalker out, like a Jace or a Tamio or something. Like, oh, this guy's a five five now. Wee. No, it's a Frost Titan. Yeah, because I just locked down their board, and it's like, bounce this, uh, lock that down. Oh, and this guy's a 5-5-2. Sure, get there. So so what are your thoughts, Justin? Well, 
Uh, I think this card is certainly a lot closer than the white one. Uh, I think all of its all of its parts, the fact that it costs three mana, uh, and you can just easily just jam it on turn three, and it's always going to be relevant every turn after that. I think Scry One, like you guys were saying, is really deceptively powerful. Uh, when you know that you can count on it without very much resistance from your opponent of them removing this permanent, which is almost impossible to do. I think you, uh, I think you really have to like O-ring it. Yeah, it's or, O-ring or Karn. I think that's like yeah, that. it's like O-ring, Karn, Detention Sphere, um, bounce it, I guess. Which that seems like an incredibly losing proposition. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But all of the, yeah, those two, you know, those three things, and then uh, the unblockable gives it a lot of utility in non, in like blue X decks, like blue green. This guy seems ugh, just making, just able to like kind of just like wave your guys. It's almost like a Vincer minus one where you can just make all of your guys unblockable, or at least a couple of the big ones. Uh, but there are situations where you do have more devotion, and that is when you are playing control magic effects. Yeah. So, I, if you have, like, if you have a control magic and, like, another blue planeswalker or another blue creature, it's not hard to turn this on with just, like, two other permanents. Well, I don't say, I don't mean not hard, because I do think all of the devotions are pretty difficult to get to. Once, uh, once this was spoiled, I think this was the third, the first god, like, kind of unofficially spoiled. Yes. I started, I started checking for how often devotion was activated in games, and, uh, a little foreshadowing, but it seemed like green had the most often that devotion was activated, which is obvious because you have mana elves and, you know, you're really devoting a lot of permanence to the board. And blue ah. was... What? Devoting permanence to the board? Devoting permanence to the board. <laughs> so, uh... And blue outside of, like, control magic effects was the least, but what I what I do like a lot about this card is... If you have this in play and you cast a control magic to take one of their creatures and you and you turn this on, uh, you can like end the game really really quickly. Like it turns it around in a significantly quick time. Uh, and I think that it it makes it a lot closer to inclusion than most of the other gods. Uh, for for me, I'm gonna try this card. I honestly don't expect it to make it because I think it's just like. I think it's, that's not going to happen often enough for me to want to keep it in, but uh, I hope I hope I'm wrong on this one also. Yeah, I mean I dig it. Like I said, and I, it's just for me that's a it's a try and see card. I think. Yep. Uh, it, it maybe helped. I, I've actually made a recent switch in my cube to try to make blue white a little more interesting. I actually made the uh, under advisement of uh, others and suggestion of others. I've made the Wall of Denial to Plumevale switch. Yes, I uh, wholeheartedly agree. I think Wall of Denial a miserable card. And it's, uh, well, it's a, it's a I, I think it is a better card for the white control card. deck. I, sure. I think it's just, uh, it's, I, I finally had enough of it that it's just not, I think it sucks the fun out of the game almost for both players. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like it's like a uh, it's like you moat a single creature, right? Yeah, just like remove their best blocker basically every turn. Um, when I first saw it spoiled, I was like, "Hey, isn't this like a three mana maze of it?" So I got like a foil one really cheap, and as it turns out, it is. I'm like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, I mean, the you know, card's real good in you know, a deck, 
and it's very good in Udek, where, you know, I just, it, it's all, you know, it's just like boringly unfair in, I, I don't, I don't know the exact way to describe it other than, you know, it, it it's an eye roll card when people play it. They're like this card and you're like, eh, yep. You're like, all right, I guess I gotta battle through this since, mm-hmm. you know. Where like Plumeville yeah. I think is definitely more interesting because, you know, uh, you're actually, one, you can actually kill other permanents with it, and two, it can actually be killed. So I think yeah, it's heaven, kinda, heaven uh, forbid that you have, uh, heaven forbid that you have Thassa in play, and one other blue permanent, and then you play Plume Veil to like double Plume Veil them when they attack. Oh, right, just like oh. two of their attackers? Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's, that's just, that probably just wins you the game on the spot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice thought. It being a five, like a, a cr- indestructible creature is also kind of interesting. I never really thought of that till now, but, you know? Yeah, that's tough to fight through. Alright, cool. any other, uh, any other blue cards that we want to discuss before we move on to, I guess, black? I'm, I'm good. No, not really, no. Alright, so I guess we can go to the black cards, um, going from probably the, one of the best gods to one of the, probably one of the worst ones, Erebros. Three and a black, five, seven, legendary enchantment creature, god, blah, 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 indestructible. Your opponents can't get gain life, pay one and a black, black, pay two life, draw a card. This seems too expensive. If that draw, that draw ability is too much. The, the gain life thing seems like flavor text. Yep, I think, uh, it, this has like half an ability because the gain life thing is going to be so rare that it almost doesn't even matter, and paying Paying two life and two mana to draw a single card is right. just is it's a lot worse than other options we have that do that in cube already. Like I'd just rather have like Grave Warden used than this. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. Also, the abilities don't really play all that well together. You know. No. They, your yeah. opponents can't gain life. It's well, maybe it's maybe it's whenever they gain life, I should gain life too. So that way I can turn it then into cards. I don't know. Seems kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah. But yep. so, I'd much rather uh, spend our time talking about a uh, hero's downfall. That's true. Hero's Downfall, one in double black, instant, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Uh, I, I'd like to say that along with Adam Staborski, when I saw the five-word card, this is the exact wording that I, I said to people, destroy target uh, creature or planeswalker. When they you know did the whole big sneak peek about there's a card that has five things of, you know, planeswalker is one of the five words on the card. Uh and it's one of our first, you know, this is what, our second one that specifically interacts with Planeswalkers? Yeah. Yep. So Dreadboar being the first that says, you know, the Planeswalker, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Something. Uh, I like that it's instant. Uh, for those people who, for some reason or another, like to murder, this, <laughs> uh, this could, you know, we could, we could lazily deck filled and, and move right up. However, Murder's probably not that great anyway, so this is probably just a very wise upgrade for those. Um, but, you know, I, in thinking about it, though, I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm a little unconvinced at the three mana removal spell. Yep. I was actually thinking about it kind of recently. Um, I didn't know a lot of people are really excited about it, and I'm like, probably, I'm, I'm playing it in my cube right now, but I'm probably not expecting it to last super long. The way I think of it is probably it's kind of like the three mana, like putrefy, mortify kind of cards where it's like 
three mana to destroy a creature and do something, like destroy an artifact or destroy an enchantment or whatever. And it feels like this is like the mono-black version, where it's just like destroy a target creature or a planeswalker. I don't know. Like, it's probably better than Mortify in that way, and like, obviously it doesn't have as many targets as Putrefy, but... I don't know. It just seems like three mana is a lot to destroy a creature, and that's why I've never really been super huge on three mana to destroy a creature. But like hitting planeswalkers is pretty sweet. Right, right, right. Exactly. The instant speed being able to actually deal, deal directly with a planeswalker, you know, you know, there are certainly you know we've talked earlier about how you know some of the better planeswalkers that make it really hard to that do a really good job of defending themselves or defending you. That you know, this is an answer to those. This is you know. You know, they, you know, you're, you're the, the black deck and they, they Gideon, come at me, bro. And you're like, okay, untap. Here you go, bro. Attack you instead, you know. Or, or the Elspeth, you know, the Sun's Champion, where you can just kind of go right over the top of it. Or, you know, sometimes you need to kill a Koth before they can, re, you know, neg five it or whatever. Uh, yep. so it certainly has applications. Um, and, and the instant speed is, you know, if this were sorcery speed, I'd be a lot less excited about it. Yeah. The fact that it actually is instant speed um, lets you, I think, it obviously adds a, a significant amount of value. I mean, that sounds stupid to say, but um, I, I think it allows you a little more flexibility in the control decks to be able to run this card as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you you know, like a, a blue-black control deck, for example, give yourself a little bit of extra flexibility. Uh I don't know. I, I think I definitely want to try it. I just, I, it's been a long time since I've been excited by a three mana kill spell, and, and maybe this is it. Yeah, maybe, I think, maybe I'm um, focused on the cost too much. No, I think the, uh, I definitely think the, the instant speed part of this is the most poignant part to make it a successful card because this is, this is the, Pretty much the only card that can deal with a planeswalker permanently at instant speed, I believe. I think you can bounce it or counter it, but once it's in play, uh, this is this is pretty much your only option. Um, and unlike other, you know, other kill spells, like I think instant speed kill spells are good because you love love to are able to get creatures in combat and the like. But most creatures don't have haste, and all planeswalkers do. Uh, so I think there's a lot of value in being able to do this as soon as the Planeswalker comes into play and then untapping and actually doing something on your turn mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, maybe play your own Planeswalker or a Grave Titan or something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the camp of maybe this is a little bit too much, three mana, um, when when you compare it to all of the other black removal. Um, if this just killed any creature... If this just said destroy target creature uh, at one black black as an instant without the planeswalker part, I think I would rather have like a card like terror over it, even though you can't kill a black or an artifact creature, because it is a little more efficient. Mm-hmm. For uh, sure. I mean, yeah, we have murder. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't really think of murder. I, like, I don't think of murder as a cube playable card. I think there's so much else, so much other removal uh, that I don't know. This is this. May get lost in the shovel just for its mana cost, but I, I also want to try it, see how often the Planeswalker part comes up, because that's pretty much the, you know, well, that's, that's the, the, that's the, the part, reason right? we're talking about this card. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, if it just said destroy target creature or enchantment, we were like, well, we have Mortify, and this is just a, you know, one, one way to do it, and we wouldn't be spending all this time. But the fact that it does interact directly, um, and, you know, there's definitely a lack of cards that deal 
unconditionally with planeswalkers, especially at instant speed. You know, sure, we can char them or side-blast them, but if they're not that low, then, well, we're not getting there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I think this falls into the blue god camp of I, I need to try it and actually and actually see how it works in practice. I think theorycraft is not quite enough for this card in evaluation alone. I think it would be, uh, I think it'd be a lot, well, obviously sweeter because it makes the card better, but if it exiled the permanent rather than destroying it, uh, I think, I think that would make it different enough and have, have it, uh, you know, be more upgraded over the rest of the removal that we have access to. But moving on, I think that's probably, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time on a, a just strict removal spell, so. All right. Well, only because uh, I, I believe Usman has a uh, boner for Bone Horde. I'm going to mention uh, Night Howler. Night Howler is a uh, one black black uh, star star enchantment creature. So asterisk, asterisk creature uh, with Bestow. Now, Bestow is another one of the new mechanics. Basically, it says uh, you can pay it for its Bestow cost as an aura. And then if the aura get you know, if your target gets removed, it just comes into play as a creature instead. Um, or if the creature dies, it just winds up becoming a creature afterwards. Um, and this guy, like much like the Bone Horde, uh, it's Night Howler and Enchanted Creature get plus X plus X, where X is the number of creature cards in all graveyards. So we have a, a Mortivore, Mortivore slash uh, Bone Horde here. Yeah, it just seems a little too conditional for my flavor. Um, it's probably one of the better bestow cards. Or just yeah, and the, and the bestow is four mana, and yeah. the creature itself is three. So yeah, so you can hop on like a a creature to give it kind of haste, but yeah, yeah, seems a little too pricey. Even though I love bone horde, but I have a boner for boner horde. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Usman's nickname in high school was boner horde. Oh, there you go. The horde small. <laughs> just hoarded all of them, all to himself. Keep them all under his desk in uh, biology class. Do you think? Do you think while he was in in high school, he read the boners, or maybe just the bones? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> so read the bones. A sorcery for two and a black. You scry two, then draw two cards, then lose two life. As we alluded to earlier, this is a lot like Force uh, C from Future Sight. What do you guys think? You almost said. You almost said Foreskin. Admit it. I did. I was going to foreskin. Okay. <laughs> Just to all complete this, the circle. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, so I think, once again, I think this is a cool card, but once again, man, that three mana cost makes me makes me hesitate. I think I'd rather, I'd rather just have Night's Whisper. Yep. I think uh, that's that's my exact analysis. And you know, and Night's like, Whisper seems to be going out of a lot of cubes. Like, I don't know why. That card's sweet. Yeah, and I was thinking about that too. I'm like, man, I should probably bring that card back. Same thing with Sign and Blood. Yeah. yeah. I think Night Whisper is significantly better than Sign and Blood, obviously. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, for sure. They're in the high cost. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, that's pretty much exactly how I feel. Like, scry- scrying two before you draw is awesome. Uh, I don't think is worth the extra colorless mana. Yeah. I agree. All right. Let's uh, let's keep moving on. All right, let's let's uh, let's do a layup here. Uh, Tormented Hero, and Tormented Hero is a uh, for one black mana. You get a two-one human warrior creature that enters the battlefield tapped. 
and it has the heroic mechanic, which is going to be, you're going to hear so many instances of this in the cube. <laughs> and that's uh, whenever, heroic is basically whenever you target it yourself with a spell, uh, this one, each opponent loses one life, and you gain life equal to life lost this way. Automatically, if you're a black aggro supporter, this is a, an automatic inclusion. Yeah. Uh, it gives us another human. While it's not a zombie for, you know, black's main creature type, it does, uh, black-white is a good archetype. Um, and this, you know, we've now seen a, a few extra humans enter play. You know, I think mm-hmm. we're getting closer and closer to the champion of the parish land. And then, and then Xanther and Necromancer becomes more enticing as well. Correct. And I think every time we get more of these cards, they get closer and closer to that. But it's a a two power for, for black. And I think there's, uh, there's not too much, you know, more to say about that. Heroic is might as well be flavor text. Um, sure we get a little bit, you get a little bit of action out of it, you know, with your rancors and such. But it, it's seldom going to be more than a one-time occurrence. Yeah, I think I was actually uh, joking about that being flavor text. I'm like, yeah, this card is flavor text. I'm like, what's a flavor text? I'm like, heroic. When you cast this hero, and then everyone's yeah. laughing. I'm like, yeah, I told you it was a flavor text. Right. Like it's worse than I think it's worse than diagraphical, but it's still very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's probably slightly worse. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's still good. Like I'm, like I'm not throwing black aggro under the bus or anything. Like I still think it's very, very good card. So. Um, yeah, pretty easy, pretty inclusion, for me at least. Yep, same. Yep, I uh, totally agree. And uh, for to wit about what we were saying about the Champion of the Parish, I am, this is the set where I'm pulling the trigger and adding that and uh, Xanther Necromancer to my cube because I think there's like just now enough to where this can be a viable archetype. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been waiting for it. And uh, so now's a good time, you cube people out there. This is a great opportunity to pick up your uh, foil champions of the Parish. Because right, they're, they're rotating out. They're they're cheap. They're rotating. How much they're are foils? Done. I, uh, like like two two to three dollars now probably. Whoa. Like the, okay. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, maybe maybe a little bit more than that, but uh, yeah, because the regular ones are only like officially out yet. But you know, yeah, yeah. they're they're they might as well be. Huh. Wow. The, uh, the, the, the uh, site that you guys uh, write for, StarCityGames.com, currently has them listed at three fifty for a foil copy. There you go. Okay. Okay. And uh, I'm sure that will continue to decrease. Probably. Yep. Can, I would, probably I would say uh, I would say once it hits three, that's probably as low as it's going to go. Uh, yeah, because people like tribal just because bats. it's a yeah, it's a one drop creature that grows, so it's going to have a lot of casual appeal over the years uh and it's a foil for that regard so i would say if you can find it for three dollars that's probably good good time to scoop it up yep yep all right uh any more black cards you want to talk about did you guys want to talk about uh devo here the cool whip whip it good (laughs) yeah we can uh I'll, i'll touch on it just for a second um so whip of erebus for those of you don't know it uh Legendary enchantment artifact for two and two black. Uh, gives creatures you control lifelink, um, and you can basically pay two and two black and tap it to unearth a creature. Um, I think this is a, is a nice additional, I guess reanimator type thing. Uh, I don't think you play it for a lifelink, even though that's, it's, in, in most scenarios, 
while it's in play, that is probably going to be more relevant in the second part. However, uh, when you're building your cube, uh, it's tough to look at that as the more powerful ability. So I think if you, if you have a need for another reanimator thing, um, you know, just kind of think of this as a diabolic servitude that you can use over and over. Because um, it does cost four, but you can use it every turn. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's interesting, probably only for bigger cubes. Uh, I may, might try it out, but I doubt it'll stick around. Yep. Well, for uh, the good news is that it's in one of the precons, right? Is it? Probably. Seems like a precon deck, precon card. Yeah, I think one of the uh, I think one of them has one of the uh, one of the precons has it. I'm not sure if it's the if it's a foil one or not, but it might be. Yep. So and uh, another another small thing, uh, if you have Aetherling or Obzidat or any other creatures that exile themselves as part of an ability, you can actually get them to stick around if you use their ability, since you control both of the triggers. So it does make it. Uh, you know, a little bit better if you're playing it with those two cards. Mainly obviously that seems like it would be more of a uh, inclusion. But that's right. not all I got for this one. All right. Well, that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, on the fence about it, but, you know, it just doesn't excite me very much. And like I said, I also don't super support that. To me, it reminds me more of a corpse dance. Yeah, yeah that's probably a better. Corpse that's dance a better. buyback each turn, uh, which is a spell I do run. Uh, but, eh. You know, it's okay. Just not super excited about. Not going to be rushing out to 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 add it. That's for sure. So let's uh, let's move on to red. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out of order here so we can get this card out of the way. And that's a uh, fire drinker satyr. Fire drinker satyr is a two one for a red mana, which is a satyr shaman. For you know, in case you have your uh, rage forger deck out there. Uh, <laughs> And whenever a Fire Drinker Seder is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to you. Basically, this card is Jackal Pup, uh, except the creature type. And this card has an additional uh, ability, which is one in a red. Uh, it gets plus one, plus zero till end of turn and deals one damage to you. Once again, if you're a, an aggro supporter, it's just an automatic inclusion. Um, I've become less and less endeared with uh, Jackal Pup. Over the years, uh, but it's a card that if you you know if you want to support things and you want to do it, then you got to play it. And I think this uh, this falls right in line with that. And you get you know a little extra ability of trading some extra mana for some extra damage. Yep. So. Yep, that's uh, pretty much right on. I was I was going to say if you like Jackal Pup, then you'll like this, but no one likes Jackal Pup even when they play it. Right. No, I think I like Jackal Pup. <laughs> I just do like you? saying I just like saying uh, Pap. And I like I like being able to bolt you know do something to it and tell it shack your pap shack your pap yeah pap shack your pap pap so that's uh that's it earlier although uh, Justin did have a nice you know the Chicago earlier on uh, when he uh, uh, what, what card was it that you gave the uh, the Chicago the Chicago accent oh, oh Thassa 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 Gather the Sea who who would win in a fight Dicka or Gad? Trick question. Dick is Gad. Gad. <laughs> Who would win in a fight? Dicka or Thassa? Trick question. They're both Gads. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> so, so yeah, play it. Next. 
Which card um, would you guys like to talk about next? What do you guys want to talk? I don't know. Um, Hammer? Hammer Perforos? Sure. Sure. We, 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 we should talk about it since we did have this in the crack pack. That's true. So one in a red, legendary enchantment artifact, creatures well, you one can... And, one in two red. Oh, one in two red. Oops. So creatures you control have haste, and you can spend two in a red and tap it. Sacrifice a land, put a 3-3 three, three colorless golem enchantment artifact creature token onto the <laughs> battlefield. <laughs> like, come on. So many words to describe one thing. Yeah. So you get a 3-3. Three, three. Uh, Effectively a 3-3 three, three haste, because, yeah, you three, know, three the hammer's in play. I think I like this card. Like, it's obviously not for, like, the, uh, you know, mono-red decks where, like, all the four drops have haste anyway, but, like, it seems good in, like, the mid-rangey kind of red decks or, or, like, you know, the kind of decks that don't mind attacking lands, maybe. I don't know. I like it in, like, the big red, kind of like the old fires decks where you could just, like, accelerate it and then just, like, Spam five fives and whatever, and right. I, I like it, and I like it in like the mid range red green decks, like the slightly bigger red green. Yeah, because um, it just turns out your extra resources. It lets you do things like, I mean, yeah, you have to, your mana has to be pretty good to be able to have double red on turn two, but that's something you should be aiming for anyway. Yeah, uh, but it allows you to do things like when you play your, you know, your mid range four four, you know, your mid range four mana creatures, um, you know, being able to play uh, different Bayloths. And like, you know, play, have a 4-4 four, four hasty guy, or play your, uh, Huntmaster and immediately attack for 4. Um, there's, there's lots of things like that that it interacts favorably with. Um, you know, uh, the, the big thing is, you know, the, one of the big knocks against it is a lot of the, as far as for red cards, a lot of the good 4s and 5s already have haste. So there's a lot of, well, I don't need that card because it has haste, but. I, I certainly dig the uh, the ability tacked on to the end that just lets you trade in extra lands for more pressure. And I feel like he, that might be underrated. Like, I feel like some people tend to, even, like, more, even in more experienced players can get scared of, like, sacrificing resources. But, like, it's a skill that I think people should learn. <laughs> and I think even, like, people may underestimate the card because they don't necessarily have that skill set developed. At least well, I, I gotta tell you, back in the day I was considering mm-hmm. Wand of the Elements for my cube. Yeah. Same that, here. It's that, like a blue red hybrid kind of that thing. That card is real good. I mean I remember it in that sealed format or that limited format. That card was virtually unbeatable. Oh wow. Yeah? Yeah, I can imagine. Jeez. So uh I don't know. I, I dig it and, and I'm not particularly impressed with Red's selection of three mana spells. So I'm kind of always looking to upgrade just that spot in general. Yeah. But, uh, Justin, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, too. You guys have, uh, you've covered a lot of the ground on this card, and I'm pretty torn. Like, I kind of, I'm willing to be talked in either way uh, on this card. Um, You know, when when I look at this, I see, like, four different cards stapled together as far as effects-wise. Um, you know, we have Fires of Yavimaya, which is the first part. I don't think that's quite good enough for Cube anymore. Mm-hmm. We have Wand of the Elements, which is the second part, which you said. I don't think that's good. Um, then we kind of have a little uh, Jinju the Spires action, since you're sacrificing lands for creatures, because, you know, Jinju requires a land to put it on, as well as two mana to activate it. So, you know, you're kind of uh, sacrificing one of your land for creatures, but you're able to do it multiple times. I'm not as as concerned about the sacrifice of land part as I am that it takes six mana to do it the first time. Um, 
And a big part of what you said regarding the the red creatures that you're going to have, like, so many red creatures in cube have haste now that I think uh, if you're playing this in mono-red, the best part that you're getting is the Sacrifice of Land part, because most of the creatures that you're playing after you cast this are going to have haste. Right. The ones that yeah. don't are the ones that cost, like, one and two mana. They're efficient in their power and toughness, but they're not necessarily as quick uh, haste-wise as the bigger creatures, which is why they make it into your cube in the first place, like Hellrider, Hero of Oxid Ridge, you know, Blistering Firecat, Ball Lightning. Zell's Conscript. Zell's sure. Thundermaw Hellkite. Yeah, Thundermaw Hellkite, another card we might be talking about in a moment. Um, so I don't know, like, I'm, I'm like leaning towards no, but I, I, I this is a card I, ha- I have to play before I, before I'm able to give a, an accurate evaluation that's not just based off of a scenario that I made up in my head. Do you right. like this card better for big red decks than cards like Wildfire? Yeah, well, I, I think it's best in those decks. Because you're, you're able to, uh, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, because then you're you're like cutting off your resources further, um, because it, it takes three mana to activate it. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to think like if I was to choose between like hammer and wildfire for like like the big red kind of deck support, which one I'd rather have? And I'm like, well, I, it might depend hmm. upon your your makeup of creatures in your mana base. I mean, if you have if you have lots of non-creature mana sources, you know, if you're if you're more uh, inch, uh, artifact mana rock heavy, then I think Wildfire is better. But I think if yeah. you're just a, a more of a board control deck, uh, where you know you're blowing things up, keeping things off the board, um, and then you're going to eventually win with your big threats, then then, then this card is better. Uh, you know, you're you're speaking of the the hasty red creatures. That's a big reason why I never even included Urabras into mine. It's just that there were so few scenarios of creatures I could think that I'd want to cast afterwards that yep. a, a big portion of that card's effect is is the haste. And, you know, outside of, like, uh, Inferno Titan, you know, there's there's not a whole heck of a lot that comes afterwards. It's, and even though, yeah, there are guys coming to play tap, but once again, you know, there's there's already a lot of action that's going on at that point in the game with yeah. permanent setting play. So... So one, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I want to be more excited about this card than I am. So I, I certainly am willing to try it to see how it fits. But like I said, the, I, I don't see its home in mono red. I see its home in the more mid range red decks. Like I said, specifically yeah, something also, like red green. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think uh, like fires, which of course is red green. I think this this is best in a red green deck where you're trying to kind of uh, get big and put. You know, like Avengers of the Cars and and the like in the play, where you have access to more lands and you want your creatures to have haste anyway. Yeah. Right. So, should we talk about speaking of wildfire and big mana deck? Should we talk about Amber Wild Swallower real quick? Sure. Um, we can yeah. talk about Amber. I mean, let's do let's do the uh, Reader's Digest version. Two and two red, four five elemental, uh, seven mana, monstrous three. When it comes to monstrous, each player sacrifices three lands. So. Uh-huh. Four or five is a, is an awesome size for yeah totally for, I think uh, uh, for a mana creature yeah five toughness is uh that's a gigantic thing on on a, on a red creature at that size right here's here's my big thing that's holding me back one is the fact that the monstrous monstrosity cost is seven 
is yeah. makes it seem a little flavor texty to me. Um, especially because at that time, yeah, like maybe three lands is a big impact. But at that point, you know, I, I don't know, like how, how big of an impact is sacrifice three lands? Like, I'm sure it's a, 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 a pretty big one, but I feel like anything your opponent is going to be able, your opponent should be able to do something about it by turn six. If they're, if they're ever going to be able to be able to do something about it. Um, Although one nice thing about it is that it puts that pressure on them, like they have to have that by that turn, or you can lock them out. At right. Least, at least in theory. And, and then, then the other thing to me is that you know I think of all the other red four drops and like wow, I, I mean, am I you know do I like this more than you know uh, Hellrider? Well, no. Do I like this more than Hero? No. Do I like this more than Flame Tongue Kavu? Well, no. Do I like this more than blistering Firecat? Well, in the right deck, you know, no. Uh, so, once again, it's a, I think it's a wonderful card for the aforementioned Wildfire deck. And I think if you want that deck to exist, this is certainly a card you could use. Because then what you might do is you might be able to get that, that secondary tier of, if you have the Mana Rocks, you may get the seven mana, right around the time they hit three lands again, three, four lands, and then you're just putting the game away. So, yeah. How often do you guys, uh, do you guys both support Wildfire in your, in your cubes? I actually took both out recently, just because they weren't really doing anything. Yep. And I, I did the same for mine a little while ago. How about you, Anthony? Um, well, I was on the verge of taking Wildfire out of my cube. Sorry, my, my uh, headpiece fell off just for a second there. I'm assuming that's what you're asking yes, about seeing the deck. Um, I was on the verge of taking it off, and just at the Star City Open this past weekend, um, a friend of mine drafted a blue-red Wildfire deck, and it was real good. It was very, very good. had, like, a number of mana rocks. Um, during one of our games, it was basically a red-blue planeswalker filed. Wildfire deck. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So uh, uh, during one of our games, and it was, I think it had white in it too. Um, one of our games, I had Armageddon, wasn't able to close because of my low creature count. He happened to have like a couple of burn spells in hand to get rid of my creatures when I deadened. Um, he picks up wildfires with uh, Chandra Firebrand in play. Huh. About three turns later, has four Planeswalkers in play against my two lands in play. Um, has uh, Baby Jace, Chandra Firebrand, um, and I can't remember what the other two were. But, oh, uh, a Johnny Vengeant, and I, I, maybe uh, Gideon, huh. and, and goes for the kill, tries to, you know, attacks with Gideon a second time. Uh, Neg twos his Chandra Firebrand, uh, and Side Blast me. Oh, jeez. Except that he's at six. <laughs> and the one card in my hand that I can cast is Boros Charm. <laughs> or he's at seven, or he was at seven or eight, I think it was. And so basically the, the, the second Side Blast kills us both. Nice. And I and I get the draw. Uh, nice. What happens after that, uh, so we go to a game four. That was our game three. We go to game four, 
and I go one drop, two drop, uh, one drop, two drop, uh, once again, here I am, can't remember names cards. Does two to everybody during their upkeep. Vortex? Enchantment Vortex, turn four Geddon. And he's like, oh. well, that was unexciting after that yeah. last one. Yeah. Well, there you go. But, but that, seeing that made me keep it in. Because that was a real sweet usage of it. Uh, what I have done though is I've taken out, uh, Yokel Hops and Obliterate. Yeah. Um, I've decided to leave the Wildfires in for now. Um, because of how they interact with Planeswalkers, that I think that type of mass destruction deck is, is one of the, you know, I want Red to have another identity. Besides turning cards sideways on turns two through seven, you know? And, yep. uh, and so that's, that's why it stays in for me. Even though I've I'm, I've tried to trim some of the, the just the non played cards, but uh, yeah, that's, that's where uh, I am on it. I've considered that's, it. That's pretty much what I'm getting to with with Ember Swallower. I think that's the that's the only deck that I can envision him being effective in is a a uh, big red, whether it be mono red, red green with ramp, or red blue with uh, you know like artifact mana. Mm-hmm. Um. He seems he seems really sweet in those decks. Like it's it's actually the exact kind of card you want, but I don't I don't see him being drafted ever in any other deck that is not interested in casting wildfire. And he's certainly worse than wildfire itself, although he does have five toughness, which is pretty sweet with wildfire if you have both of them. Right. But I don't know. This seems like this seems like a card that's just going to be like really sweet when you have it in a very specific deck, and then go fifteenth for twenty drafts of. Right. And I don't know. I, I just, I never, I never feel like I have room for those type of cards. I was going to say, how much room yeah. do you have for those cards? And I think know? that's yeah. the thing with me for Wildfire right now is how many, how many slots do I want to, like, how many slots do I want to give for non aggro red? And, like, I think Ember Swallower is one where it just may end up not being played because of that. Just like, well, how many of those effects do we really need? Yeah, right. And the times, you know, the times that it happens is so far and few between. Right. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's not terrible in the red aggressive decks, though. That's the thing. No, it's I mean, not terrible. It's certainly, uh, you know, it's not a zero in those decks. It's just, you know, how far do you want to, you know, how much room do you have for a card like this? Yeah. And, you know, and that's, I think it's just going to be on an individual basis. You know, if you're the type of, uh, you know, maybe your cube is the type of cube that runs a bunch of pyroclasm type effects. You know, runs pyroclasm things. You know, uh, and uh, pyroclasm, the various ones, the new one that just came out, which is going to be pretty. Anger of the gods is that what it's called? Yeah, the uh, I mean, that's like the slash plane break esque. Yep, slide storm esque card, which you know, I, I, I'm. We don't have to talk about the fact because I don't particularly like that kind of card in cube. Um, but it, maybe if you're that, if you support that as Red's other identity, as like super board controlly, I think that's that's a place where you could go with this creature, um, because it'll survive all those other types of effects. You know, like star storming for four, wild firing, doing that kind of stuff is not going to kill this guy, and will kill most other things. So yeah, but let's uh, let's move on. Let's uh. 
Should we talk about the other level monstrous card, Stormbreaker? Well, or should we talk real, about the other stuff? Real quick, let's let's mention. We don't need to spend much time on this, but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Lightning Strike. I mean, Searing Spear. I mean, Lightning Strike, which is uh, one in a red instant deals three damage to target creature or player. Uh, if you're out of room for burn spells, you can take out your uh, volcanic hammers and your uh, what's the one from Portal Three Kingdoms? Fire ambush. Uh, fire ambush. Fire ambush. You know, if you're just looking to to upgrade, uh, that's certainly a way you can do it. Um, people otherwise, say, people might say it's like boring, but really just just eat your vegetables. There's something there's something to be said for redundancy. Yes. Yeah. Like so. vegetables, you know, just eat, eat your veggies. Stop complaining. Right. All right. So, yeah, let's move on to what I think is another card that we're going to wind up in. You know, there's still a lot of cards to talk about here. Um, but this card, I think, is is certainly very interesting, and that's uh, Perforos, God of the Forge, which is uh, three and a red. Uh, this is another God enchantment, legendary thing. This one is a 6-5 indestructible. Um, but whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Porphyros deals two damage to each opponent. And two and a red, creatures you control get plus one, plus zero until end of turn. Um, I have become a huge fan of Gutter Snipe since it's come out. Um, it is often worth quite a few more damage than, than what it looks like. It's very unassuming uh, when you play it. This card, I feel like, has a lot of that sort of potential, except that it comes in a bad spot in the curve at four mana. Yeah. So, and and the you know the uh, orcish oriflam ability is certainly non-blank as well, because um, you know, even just with just with two creatures you're getting two extra damage for three mana, and you know we we would do that all day long. But you know the the dream obviously is you know turn four this guy turn five you know siege gang commander take eight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's the um, literal dream. And but you know there are lots of other applications for this too. The fact that it's only got one red in the cost means that it could very well see a good home in like a white red token deck, which was something that existed in my cube for a while when I was running things like uh, Rise of the Hobgoblins and Goblin Trenches. I mean, can you imagine this card with Goblin Trenches? Oh, wow. Wow. Sacrifice five lands, you die. I mean, right. Just, you know, you take four whenever I feel like it. No, take four. Uh-huh. Take four. Take four. I mean... So I think there's certainly, you know, if you're still running that style of deck, I think you're certainly, and this card is awesome. But I'm just not sure of my cube where this fits in. But, man, does it seem awesome, and, man, am I going to try it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the train of trying it, and be, but being very cautious, like, seeing how it does. Like, I think I tested it. It hasn't really done much, but potential is pretty, pretty big. So, I, I you know, I, I want this card to be awesome. And I, and I can certainly envision lots of scenarios where this card is awesome. It's just, however, much like the hammer, I don't think it fits into your typical, you know, attack every turn, play hasty guys, red deck. Yep. I, uh, I am pretty firmly... Now, let me back up a little bit. I run a pretty strong token thing and theme in my cube, and it goes across pretty much every color but blue. Uh, 
white has a really strong token theme. Um, green does as well. Uh, black I have, I've kind of moved towards the, like I, I recently put like Marsh Flitter in my cube and I'm going to be trying Xanther Necromancer and just things that, that put other tokens into play for redundancy effects and, and stuff like that. So I know in my cube, this guy is going to be awesome because it's really easy to draft him and then draft as many tokens as you possibly can and kill them very, very quickly. Yes. I've also had the ability to play against this card with and against this card in constructed testing and play against it in limited. And in constructed, you're able to set up your, your devotion pretty quickly. And I think if you're able, this is, this is one where if you picked it early, uh, unlike the white one and the, basically unlike the other gods that we've talked about previously, this one actually has a pretty huge impact on the game because it, it, it turns on the clock much quicker than all of the rest of the gods because all of its abilities are so linear in wanting to kill your opponent as fast as humanly possible. And that is where I see that it fits into red, even though it does have that four mana cost, like we were talking about with Hellrider and, you know, other things that have haste, Hero of Oxid Ridge, Blistering Firecat, etc., Kelvin Champion. Um, and it does fail on that effect because it doesn't do, it literally does nothing the turn it comes into play. Even if you have the devotion, it's not going to attack. Um, but I think this is this is a sweet build around me card. Um, and I think yeah. for that reason alone, where you can where if you have a cube that does support tokens like mine does, um, I think this is just an extremely powerful card. And the power level alone is enough for me to put it in my cube. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, as I'm sitting here, as you're talking about it too, you know, I used to run a Conqueror's Pledge in my cube. Mm-hmm. I mean, can I, I, can't, I can't even imagine casting this in a cast. Oh, take 12. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? What if you, you know, we want to have this and you cast uh, Marshall Q. Ah, right. I mean, oh, by the way, wrap all your guys, and you're probably dead next turn when I attack. Hope yeah. you have enough well, blockers to block these one ones. Or you might just be dead, period. Well, they might not be one ones because you're probably going to have mana to pump them to. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, that, I want this card to be awesome, and I, I, I envision, you know, lots of ways that it is awesome, you know? And uh, it's just that I think a lot of people are, are, you know, much like the Hammer, stuck on the, well, how is this in mono-red? And I think it's, you know, not as great, but however, there are lots of scenarios, you know, think of, you know, we have two good triple-red hybrid cards and that fit in those type of decks. I mean, we have Boros Reckoner and we have uh, Ram Gang that I think both fit really well. We have, you know, the Ball Lightnings of the World. We have the Fire Cats. We have Ash Zealot. We have uh, Cargan Dragon Lord. We have things with lots of red, lots of permanents with lots of red in their costs. And so I don't think, you know, unlike a lot of the other gods where I don't really see them ever attacking, I, I think this one could very easily attack, but I don't even think you necessarily need to, because I yep. think the, uh, the rest of it provides enough value. I just want to see, my big concern is kind of where it fits in in the curve and how much value we can get after that. But I, I, I feel better about this card than I do, you know, post playing, you know, of its post-play value than, like, Orabrask or, or or his hammer, even. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree totally. Cool. So, yeah, this is a neat card. And once again, we're getting a lot, you know, 
unfortunately for those of us who, you know, trade for our cards and do stuff like that, once again, we're getting a lot of mythics that... Yeah. <laughs> especially when you want shiny ones. Speaking of mythics. A lot of cards that, uh, see, uh, need some play, so... Speaking of which, is this one mythic, too? Yeah, it's a mythic. Oh, it's mythic. Oh, uh, I figured. All right, Senior Justin. All, all yours. Right. So, uh, Stormbreath Dragon... A 4-4 flying dragon with haste and protection from white for 3 and 2 red. And it has monstrosity of 7. Also haste. Monstrosity 3. Uh, so you put 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on when you activate it. And when you, when you activate its monstrosity ability, it sudden impacts each opponent. So it deals damage equal to number of cards in their hand. Also it has haste. I don't, I don't know if you said that, but. And haste. Yes. So this is, uh, this is pretty close to, Thermal Hellkite, I think it's a little bit worse because 4-4 is a lot smaller than 5-5. Five five. Um, but I think protection, I think one, protection from white is not an irrelevant ability. Uh, and this really just beats the shit out of white decks. Obviously because it has protection from white, but it just, it, it really puts you on exclusively wrath because even with if you're if you're trying to fight it with other creatures, it it makes it real tough with its uh, monstrosity ability, which you're going to be out, be able to activate two turns afterwards, in most cases, unless you're playing this at the very top end of your curve. So, uh, in short, I, I do like this card. I'll probably try it. Um, I don't think it's like a slam dunk, uh, just because it is a five drop, but uh, seems pretty sweet. Uh, kind of just depends on how often it becomes monstrous, and I think that's probably uh, a reasonable chance to happen every other or every third time you play it, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, not really sure what, what quite to add on top of that. You know, obviously, you know, Hellkite, Hellkite has uh, become a, uh, a staple all around. You know, it's even seen some older, you know, format play as well and, you know, come to like it a lot. And, you know, this is, you know, a very similar type of flavor. Uh, you know, fast dragon for five mana, but you know this one you get that get that nice protection, which you know white protection has become uh, a little more relevant in in recent years. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's lots of ways that white now has to interact with creatures, um, and the fact that its monstrosity cost cost isn't just way higher than its casting cost. Exactly, I, I think yeah. makes it feel a little more realistic that you're going to be able to to, to activate that. And it's a, you know, and it's not just, oh, get bigger or something irrelevant. No, it's just get bigger, oh, and take some damage, too, which is, you know, like I said, where I was a little doubtful of the sacrifice three lands when you already have second seven mana. I think by the time you have seven mana and you're a red deck opponent, I think, you know, taking some damage is quite relevant. And worst case scenario, you can just, like, do it on their a draw step and make them take one. Yeah, I think this is, uh, unlike Ember Swallower, this card is ready to kill your opponent when you monstrosity it. Yes. Yep. Cool. Alright, should we go to green? Yeah. Talk about Arbor Colossus, or eh? Eh, eh, eh for me. Yeah. yeah. 5 mana 6 6, um. Just yeah, another big, minutes. dumb green guy without yeah. evasion. Yep. And, and the monstrosity costs a bunch of green, you know, even though you need 3 green to cast it. I mean, it is above the curve, technically, because it is a 6-6 six, six for 5. Um, yeah, back in my day, we had, uh, we had Org 
for that right. card. Org. <laughs> then we had trained org. A lot yeah. after that. Yeah. So while it is above the curve, like I think it's just you know, if I'm spending three green and five mana, like I just think there there are, excuse me there are just more interesting things that green has to do at this point. And the monstrosity, while it's it's a nice natural progression, I think just destroying a creature with flying isn't that great because the thing has reach anyway. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, it's in flavor or not, but like, Shrug. do I? I mean, it's going to be a six. It's going to be a nine nine. Do we really need to like blow up a flyer that's going to stop it? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna attack. I'm gonna race you. You can't. Right. Flare. I'm gonna get rid of another one of your tokens that can block it. I mean, that seems like the the most realistic thing about it. So. Seems, seems good. Oh wait, no. All right, Boon Seder. Yeah, so Boon Seder is a uh, one green green for a four two flash Seder um, that has a bestow cost of three green green. So it can be a five mana uh, plus four plus two that'll become a creature, or it's just a three mana four two with flash. Uh, I have only recently discovered it's been in my cube for a while. I've only started to really find the value in uh, the one from Avacyn Restored. Which one? The Flash one. Uh, the oh, one Wolf, Wolfier Avenger. Wolfier Avenger. That's only yeah. recently started to see some serious play in mind. Oh, and I love that uh, guy. And that guy's pretty good. We found it to be, you know, pretty good. Uh, but the, for me, this the two toughness on this one is just... Ah, I, you know, I'm just not convinced. I feel like if maybe the bestow cost were four, I'd be much more willing to do it. Five seems like a bit much to me. And the two toughness just means it's, you know, the, the fact that, it, you know, unlike Wolfier Avenger where you can, you know, uh, jump a, jump an aggressive two, you know, one drop with it and survive, yeah, or, or at least surprise. two on them, th- this one doesn't have that ability. So... I, I'm not super excited about it, especially with my recent turn away from uh, intense, you know, inten- a, a huge devotion to green, let's say, in my aggressive effects. Nice. Thoughts? Yeah, the two toughness is pretty awkward. Like, I'm just, tr- I'm trying it out. I'll see how it is, but yeah. That two uh, toughness is awkward. Yep. Uh, I'm also going to try it out just because the green three drops are just putrid. Like they're all they're awful. So I mean, I can't imagine this guy is 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 worse than anything. Like I think Wolfer Avenger is really sweet, uh, but uh, I'd, I'd rather have this than like Troll Ascetic. Yeah, or like Call of the Herd. Yeah, or yeah, Call see, of the Herd. I, I see. I really like Troll. Um, eh. be, because of uh, how how difficult it can be with any sort of pants at all. Yep, to that's, deal with. That's true. Yeah, I think Flash is. I think. Uh, Flash is better than Hexproof, so I think I would rather have this guy. It does threaten Planeswalkers very well, like like Jace's kind of thing, versus like if they go four mana brainstorm. It's like okay, Yot haste, and, and then and after seeing uh, after seeing so many Bestow cards in action at the Theris pre-release, I can definitely say that Bestow is better than it looks. I, okay. I think this is the only, even remotely like constructed playable one, of all the bestow cards because they all cost so much and for good reason because it's a powerful mechanic. But 
Um, I think Flash and Bestow is is pretty good. So I think this guy's this guy's probably better than he looks. I don't think he's like a world beater or anything, but um, I'm definitely gonna try this guy in my queue. I expect him to make it. Hey, uh, I'm sorry. Did you say world beater or world eater? Oh man. Yeah, that's what I was thinking was happening. <laughs> I'll segue. Polacratos, world eater. He is a two green green five five legendary Hydra. Um, and he has a monstrosity as well, which is XX and a green. When it becomes monstrous, it deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures your opponents control. Each of those creatures deals damage equal to its power to Polychronos. I think this card is, uh, this card's the, the business. Yeah. This card is real nice. Now, there was some talk that it was X green green for its monstrous. Yeah, that was and, and this monstrosity, and that would have been completely absurd. Yeah, that would have been um, stupid. Right? And there was, card, like, some rumblings is... about how it would fight all the creatures. Like, it was kind of like Giant Solitude being a 4-3. People right. were being, like, disappointed because it was only a 4-1. Right. And, like, as it turns out, a 4-3 Solitude would have been stupid. Right. But I, like I, I think this card's I think this card's the real deal. I kind of like where this card is. Uh, we've definitely moved away from, you know, uh, you know, 5-5 five, five for 4 mana in green was, you know, was a staple for a long time. You know, we went uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Blastoderm into, like, Jade Bleach. There was kind of always a, into uh, Iwamori of the Open Fist. Uh, there kind of always seemed to be one of those around. Then we kind of went back to the Bailoff plan, like the square peg of the 4-4s four for four, 4 again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're back to a 5-5 five, five for 4. But this guy doesn't have a, unlike some of the other creatures, this one does not have a drawback. And the other thing that's nice about this monstrosity cost is that you can activate it this right after you play it. You know, this is something that you can do the very next turn. Unlike some of these other ones where you're going to have to wait until you get to seven mana. Uh, this one could very well be pretty solid, uh, even cast, you know, even activated with five mana total. So. Yeah, I'm a big fan, like. And it, and it blows up the further you go, you know. It's also nice, even like as a comp, like onboard trick, even it's like okay, you want to equip a, uh, you want to equip something, all right. I mean, or late game, you know, you like, you know, this is one of your late game draws, and you're like, well, are you gonna let me untap with this thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it, and, it, and it plays well too. I like the fact that you know the the mechanic on this one's well designed, and that you know it's getting bigger, so you can deal damage to more creatures, but it's also bigger, so it can take the beating from the other creatures better. Yeah. So I kind of like the way that works. I'm, I'm definitely including this one, and, and I'm going to try it out and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. But it definitely so, seems uh, cubable to me. So you know how the last time I well, I guess the first time I was on the podcast, we talked about Deadbridge Goliath? Yeah. And how I just couldn't stand that card? Uh-huh. Well, this is the opposite. I really like this guy. <laughs> ah. Trick. <laughs> yeah. Five, five for four that has an ability... That is relevant, unlike Deadbridge Goliath. Deadbeat Goliath. <laughs> Deadbeat so, Goliath. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's pretty lame. This guy, on the other hand, um, like, the fact that you can, I think this is the, the best card to activate Monstrous at instant speed, because this is, the, I think this is, might be the only one that, like, like, that affects your opponent's board from any position. Because something like Arbor Colossus, like obviously insane if they have a flyer, but otherwise it just makes him a big guy. Yeah, um, or like Ember Swallower. 
yeah, Ember Swallower gets good, but it's not going to affect their board if they if they already have stuff in play. And it looks like most of the monstrous guys are like that. This guy is not. Um, if you're able ever able to get two creatures, so like if you monster monstrous this for like X equals three or X equals four, even though the creatures are going to be bigger, most likely he's going to be like an eight eight or a nine nine and probably be able to take the hit. Uh, and outside of that, he's pretty impossible to deal with from a combat point of view. Just yeah, unless they have death touch, entirely. like, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, especially pre-monstrous. Yeah. I mean, how, how are you going to block this guy and have it come out in your favor? Yeah, no, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. This, this is the type of big, beefy, dumb green creature that I want. That looks dumb, but it's actually very smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, like it. I dig it. Yep. I'm going to give sure. it a shot for sure. Yeah, same. And I like the fact that you can get one fairly on the cheap, too. Nice shiny one. Nice. That's true. Even though the uh, the actual art is much sweeter than the dual decks art, which makes me sad because they're going to be much much more difficult to get to, like a, a foil uh, Theros Polychronos. Mm-hmm. Those, those are pretty sweet. So I wanted those over the weekend. Nice. Yeah, I've seen lots of stories of uh, friends of mine with foil planeswalkers from the weekend, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, saw a uh, saw a foil Elspeth. That was one of the most beautiful foil planeswalkers I've ever seen. Nice. Oh, I it is really incredible looking. Look, looking forward to trying to obtain one of those. Oh wait, no, I'm not. Hmm. Hey, do we? Uh, you know, there there are certainly a couple of the green cards I, I want to talk about, um, and I guess we can just start with those. I want to talk about a Sylvan Caryatid. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. Um, I, I feel like this could possibly be the best card in constructed. Yeah. From the set. Um, well, best be non reprint card. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, basically, so well, it's, it's a uh, one in a green for a zero three defender hexproof. Um, so those of you who remember Utopia Tree, um, this card is a zero three with hexproof instead of a zero two. Uh, and you can tap it, just like uh, the tree, tap it for one mana of any color. Like, it kind this of reminds card, me of the... This, uh, this card is where I want to be, instead of playing one threes in blue, this is the kind of card that I want to play to defend against the aggressive creatures. Yeah. This is something that, you know, it, you know it, they're not going to be able to burn it out afterwards. It's going to absorb some damage instead of hitting you. And then, you know, at that point forward, you get to make a decision of whether you want defense or you want the ramping out of it. Uh, yeah. Ramping slash fixing. And I think it's, I think it's a neat design. I think it's a cool card. Um, I, I've never been like huge on cards like rampant growth and far seek in cube. They just seem like kind of like low impact and like the whole signet thing. People are like, uh, signets make rampant growth and whatever look bad. I'm just like, well, or don't play Signets because they're my bad. I'm like, why don't you just cut Rampant Growth and Farsing because they're bad cards or something, just to make it overly simplistic. But I think, like, this is a card, like, that I, like, compares very, 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 very favorably to, like, a Rampant Growth or, like, a Farsing, where instead of getting, like, something that taps for, like, red-green or something or whatever, it just taps for anything, and it blocks. The only way you can kill it is like a, a wrath or an edict, and so I just I love I'm very happy with that card. It's been pretty solid so far. Yeah, my my only contention with with the point that you just made is that um, with a rampant growth or a far seek, I can untap and cast wrath of God and not lose my ability, not lose my mana. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think there's that's definitely the one thing that's holding this card that may hold this card back is the anger of the gods card because you can't really playing them both in the same deck is going to be a little awk. Is that card going to? Is that like? Is that card going to be a thing in standard? I mean, it's, well, it's yeah, it's I think be it will the be. Two months at least because okay. everyone's going to be building Boros decks. I mean, wouldn't you? The, the the cards are there for very very fast clock Boros decks. Yeah, um, and a lot of a lot of a lot of red and a lot of. Sphinx's Revelations. Yep. And it's, nice. uh, it's going to be this battle back and forth between the two. I think you're going to see lots of... I think you're going to see... Re- I think you're going to see Boros decks with Skullcracks, and then you're going to see uh, Anger sex. of the Gods, uh, Sphinx's Revelation decks. Like Aetherling. Right. Like probably Elspeth or, uh, an Elspeth or two. Or, or you know, even uh, Assemble. Assemble's still real good, oh. too. Yeah, that's true. Jeez. So... So that's my, you know, that's my issue with this card is that, and that line of of reasoning is that you can't then wipe the board and and just and still be ahead. However, it doesn't make this a bad card. It still makes yeah. it a fine card, and it still certainly makes it something that I'm going to try. But once again, I, I still don't feel like this is an auto inclusion. I feel like this this is something I I want to give it a I want to give it a chance and see. Um, but I feel like it's pretty close, though. It's this card's real nice. Yeah, I'm probably less high on this card than than other people. I think it's I think it's good. Um, in in bigger cubes, in smaller cubes, when you have access to you know X number of one mana accelerants, uh, I feel like that. Is, when you when you're doubling up the cost of doing that for the same reason, which is basically to get to turn three or turn four one turn sooner, um, I, I, I just don't I don't know if I don't know if it's worth it. Like I would rather have I think in in drafting I would almost rather have a Sakura Tribe Elder. Uh, it's only going to get to block once, but it's going to permanently ramp you. Right. And when you're when you're playing your games out. Although you're able to block with this guy, I think the way that you're going to have your deck set up the most of the time is you're going to want to tap him to be able to cast your other things, which at that point, it's pretty much the same as a Lambor Elf or a Birds of Paradise or a Noble Hire. So I think, I think it looks fantastic on paper, but I think over time, this is a card that I'm going to be less excited about to draft. And we'll only draft it if I really want the effect, but I wouldn't pick it over a one-man accelerant pretty much ever. Because I, I don't plan on blocking with it, even though that's like an additional ability that it has. Right. Basically, you block, much like Sakura Tribe Elder, it's a, it's a, you're planning on blocking with it for exactly one turn. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The turn that you play it when it can't tap for mana, I want to block that turn, and then I, like, I want to use it to accelerate me for every other turn. So right. it kind of loses that functionality afterwards. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I completely agree, and that's why I'm kind of just like, eh, on it. You know, it's like yeah. I want to be excited about it, and I think it's just going to be better and constructed than it's going to be in uh yeah. in cube. Yeah, it'll be significantly so. better and constructed for sure. Cool. Well, uh, unless you guys want to talk about anything else, we can move on to the multicolor cards because we actually have a few here that are interesting. Yeah, let's uh, right. let's quickly discuss these. And any other green cards you want to talk about, Justin? Uh, no, we can move on to multicolor. Yeah, like, bow is kind of interesting, but, eh, uh, you know, we can save that discussion for another time. I think for the sake of time, we should we should move on. Um, 
Ashen Rider is the first one that I'd like to bring up, and I think it's got some merit. Uh, Ashen Rider is uh, eight mana total. It's four white, white, black, black for a 5-5 flyer, which is an Archon. When it enters the battlefield or dies, exile target permanent. Exile target permanent. Uh, nice. So, you know, previously we've had uh, Angel of Despair, right, which is seven mana. And uh, only, same stats, only kill something when it comes into play. And it's destroy, not exile. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think this card is real interesting. I think, however, I, I can't see myself actually casting this card very much. Um, you know, eight mana is an awful lot. Uh, however, I feel like this is a card that just makes the, uh, the reanimator type decks or the... Uh, Recurring Nightmare type decks. This card's amazing in those decks. Yeah, it's Much pretty disgusting so with Recurring Angel. Nightmare. Yeah, I or mean, Sneak Attack. I was just going to say Sneak Attack is another one that's, you know, very very good. So I you, think unlike the uh, unlike the, the other attacks. cards that we were unlike the other cards that we were talking about earlier, where it's a a lazy thing just to replace one with the other that has the same effect. I don't know if you want two Angel Despairs in your cube. So this, I think, would be a situation where it is almost a strict upgrade. Yeah. I, get, I don't know if I think it's a strict upgrade, but it's a pretty big upgrade. Yeah, yeah well, not a strict I, I upgrade, but I don't it's, know it's, how uh, much the I think, I think 7 and 8 mana is either. If you have a yeah, lot of if you're, exactly. if you're a big mana deck, how, I, mean, I don't know what the difference between, you know, I don't think the difference between 7 and 8 is very much. If you're planning on having 7, you should probably be able to plan on having 8. And most yeah. of the time, you're not casting this card regardless, though. Right. Yeah. So, so I kind of dig it. Um, I, I think this is going to be a big casual card. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I feel like this is a card that could, you know, spike long term. Um, luckily, it's not an angel, so we remove those people from the uh, equation of, of usurping no. all the copies of this card. But but unfortunately, the art looks really badass, and it's a method. Yeah, the art is pretty yeah. sweet. So. But, so, yeah, I dig this one. If you, I think if you're... Big reanimator supporter, sneak attack supporter. I think this is a, a, a place where you, a card you, can, you should definitely be looking into to, to help support those and give you uh, more fun things to do. So, yep. All right. What else do we have on the uh, gold slate? Uh, well, we should definitely talk about Steam Augury. Oh yeah. Okay. So Steam Augury, for those that don't know, it is a uh, instant for two, one blue, one red. Reveal the top five cards of your library and separate them into two piles. An opponent chooses one of those piles. You put that one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. So it's kind of a mix between fact or fiction and gifts ungiven. Right. It's that role. Re- it's a role reversal of fact or fiction. Yes. Yeah. Something uh, is very good. I like Factor Fiction a lot. I'll probably like this a lot, and I'm definitely going to include it. Same. I, I, and especially in a weak uh, two-color combination. Yes. Uh, probably the weakest two-color combination. And, and you know, that th- this seems like an automatic inclusion. Uh, because, and, and this card's always going to get you value. While, no, while it's not, uh, th- this is not a card you want to be casting if you need a specific card. However you are always going to wind up with value off of this, and there's still plenty of opportunities for your opponent to give you the wrong pile. Yeah. But, you know, you're almost always going to 3-2 split. Uh, 
there will be amusing times where you'll try for the head game for one. You might get it. Yeah. And you, and you know, and, and depending on what you want, like you might be able to fool your opponent into doing exactly what you want them to do. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is just a nice, cool card. It's got interactions. It's got good value out of it. It's in a weak color combination. It's a fixed factor fiction, and it's still very good. So, yep. I, I think the one of the sweetest things about this card is this goes into most blue red decks that I've seen. Like this is the exact card they want, or like a Grixis deck. This is the exact card they want, especially when you have a Reanimator theme as well. So, yeah, uh, two thumbs up all around on this one for me. Yep. Yeah, the Grixis Reanimator deck is this card's real nice. Real nice. All right, we should also talk about the, I at least talk about the green-red plane walker. Yes. Yeah, the Xenagos. So before we get into it, uh, the first time I saw this card, Usmanil like this, I thought he was giving up, giving the uh, the metal hand symbol. That's what I thought, too. I'm like, damn, they're finally starting to recognize metal and whatever. And I was like, oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the first time I saw it, that's whatever, what I thought he was doing. It's kind of like whenever I, when I first time I saw Ralzarek, I thought he was giving the double thumbs up. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, this guy's so, uh, pretty good. Like, well, let, let's actually say what he does. So Xenagos, he's a uh, uh, two red-green for a loyalty three planeswalker, uh, plus one, add X mana in any combination of red and or green to your mana pool, where X is the number of creatures you control. Uh, zero, co- zero loyalty, put a 2-2 two, two red and green satyr creature token with haste onto the battlefield, and minus six, exile the top seven cards of your library, uh, you may put any number of creature and or land cards among them onto the battlefield. So, in my evaluation, you know, does this help protect itself? Well, you can either make creatures or you can make mana to cast more creatures. Uh, you know, does this, is it a game-winning ultimate? Well, maybe. You know, it's... It should be uh, close I, if you build your deck correctly. It, yeah. it should be close, especially at that point in the game where you can get that far. And... If you're, you know, if you're that big red green, you know, if you're that red green ramp deck where this card's going to be real sweet, uh, yeah, it's close. And, uh, are they synergistic? I mean, absolutely. I mean, the zero plays, I mean, the, the first two abilities do play very well together, I think. So. I, I do wonder if this is going to be like a, a one planeswalker, like a, a planeswalker one, one ability. ability. Yeah, it's like zero all the time. But who cares? Even in just that first game, zero. Yeah, just spam it, just like, pace, pace, and, you know, it's like, even if that's the case, it just seems ridiculous, like, exponential growth of going from, like, I guess maybe an exponential, but, you know, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10 power, like, okay, that's ace, and it well, threatens other places. Well, and the nice thing, you know, the other nice thing, too, is that, you know, I, you know, I don't know if you guys never played Versus System, but there was a, uh, I don't, I don't know if you did or not, but there was a, a tribal ability of, uh, the uh, the Cree, and what they let you do was every time you played one, the next one you played was one mana cheaper, effectively. Oh. So what you could do is you could backwards play them. You could play, uh, basically play like a four mana guy, then a three mana guy, then a two mana guy, and then a one mana guy. And you can wind up, you know, as you tick them down, because each one you play makes them cheaper. Uh-huh. So you can kind of tick them backwards. And I feel like this feels like that kind of thing, too, where you could play them plus one of them, and then, you know, play your two-drop or three-drop. And so, even though you've underdropped for the turn, you're left with a Planeswalker in play. Yep. 
And, yeah. I, and I think that's a reasonable play as well, uh, in addition to just, you know, not being embarrassing when you play him on turn four in aggressive deck, because at least you're still attacking for two. Yeah, I think uh, all, all of these abilities, all of these abilities are exactly what all red green decks want to do. I think mm-hmm. it really just comes down to that. Like, you want to be attacking with haste creatures, you want to be making more mana, and you want to be putting more creatures into play. Right. Does, does all of those things. Yeah. Do we talk about Ashiok, the uh, mill guy, or? Eh? Uh, I I don't think the card is good uh, remotely. So. All right, there we go. I guess I, I guess I could elaborate a little bit. Um, uh, cannot protect itself very easily. I know you can do the minus ability, uh, but it's it's best against a control deck. This is not a card you would want to main deck because it's either easily ignorable or easily killable, and those are two things that I do not like in Planeswalkers. It's true. So that that pretty much kills it for me. All right, and uh, Skylands, like they seem okay. Like, uh, I would. Re- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you, I, I was just gonna say I would all like ninety nine percent of the time I would rather just have my lands come under, come into play untapped. I think I like if there's a blue red one, I would consider it. But it seems okay. They seem okay. But yeah, I think if you have a bigger cube and you have a lot of lands, they're probably fine. Like they're powerful, uh, but they're not going to be you know like. I can think of six other cycles of lands I'd rather have before these. Yeah, I, I think these cards are going to be constructed all-stars. Uh, I think people are actually kind of undervaluing these for type for a standard moving forward. Like the, I, I feel like these are cards that I want to go out and trade for as many as possible at the current, you know, whatever they are, six, seven dollars. Yeah, I don't, tag. I don't think their, I don't think their price is going to last very long. Come like the first two constructed events, I yeah. think uh, the, the, the gig's going to be up. Right. Yep, and, uh, and that's one of those things where, you know, as I'm building decks and talking to people, it's like, I want to build decks that I can jam the most amount of these yeah. <laughs> in as possible. Yep. Because I want to just so difficult. Is powerful, you know. Exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. And it's so hard to evaluate because you don't, like, until you are able to see it in action multiple times, you just can't look at a card and see how much Scry 1 means on it. Yeah. Yeah, I know whenever I, you know, I, it's been a while since I've been able to scry a bunch, but I was playing the, uh, like the, uh, red black burn deck in modern, and every ca- time I cast Magma Jet, it's just like the best feeling. Yeah. It's like, oh man, look at these cards. These cards are terrible. See ya. And boom, boom. And like any sort of advantage like that is gonna be sweet. Uh, unfortunately, the, the red white one is, will fit very nicely into the, uh, the red white blue control decks. You know, that, the you know the Sphinx's Revelation Anger of the Gods decks will fit perfectly, and uh, but not so much in the aggressive builds because you want to be you want to be drinking some fire most likely on most of your turn ones. Yeah. Yeah. Although in the uh, the blue white red control decks they're going to be less wanting to play because it's not a mountain for Change of the Rocks. Oh true. right, right. That is true. However, kind of hard to you know. Pass it up because I think that's the only one you get in that three color combination, right? It is. Yeah, the other two are going to be in the next set or the next over the next two sets, I guess. So you know what I was wondering? Just one of those things. If uh, if if this is truly going to be a full ten cycle, or if half of it's going to be one and half of it's going to be the other, because I noticed that uh, you know these are scry one. I noticed that uh, horizon canopy is one of the missing color combinations. 
And I was like, oh. yeah, what if they did the other five as all the Horizon Canopy lands to pair with these? So it's kind of like... Oh, man. That'd be interesting. So you have five Scry One lands, and then you have the other five, like, Draw One lands? Uh, I I got to think that it's going to still be the Scry lands, because the Horizon Canopy cycle will be so much more powerful than these, like, dramatically more powerful. Yeah. I just, you know, it's just one of those random thoughts. That would be sweet, though. That would definitely be sweet, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just one of those things. So, yeah. All right. Well, I, I mean, unless you guys have any other cards to talk about, I I think that about does it. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much it. Yep. So, I, I think a real interesting set. I think more than any other set recently, it has a bunch of maybes, and they're yes. exciting maybes. Like, we, we might be able to have you know huge archetype supporting cards, or we might have huge you know things that create an archetype on their own that maybe we didn't support beforehand. Uh, and I think this set has a lot of those. And I, and I think it's, it's exciting that we have a lot of, we have a lot of maybes that we need get to try out. You know, we get to try out these new toys first. Often a lot of times these sets are very clear cut on whether cards are in or whether they're out. So I think it's exciting to have a bunch of opportunities to, uh, to figure things out on your own. And I think other, you know, people's cubes being individualistic will, uh, will bear that out as well. Certainly there are all these reprint-esque type cards that are just going to fit right into most, but I think there's a lot of individuality to be gained from this set as far as people's cubes go, and I think that's exciting. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I think that pretty much sums it up. All right. Well, cool. Why don't you guys uh, go ahead and give some pl- give some plugs, and uh, we'll uh, wrap this puppy up. Uh, Justin, would you like to go first? As the I will, uh, I will lead. Okay. Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jparnell1, which is J, my last name, followed by a one. Um, to be honest, I I try to be active. I have so little time to actually just have access to Twitter and have any conversation, so I'm pretty infrequent. Um, I, res- I, re- I reply to more tweets than I than I send out. So if you follow uh, if you follow other cube guys like these two. Or any number of other people that follow that talk about Cube on Twitter, uh, you're going to get more value out of following me. You can also find me on uh, StarCityGames.com, where I switch every other week talking about Cube with Usman over there. Uh, I think we do a I think we do a pretty good job between the two of us covering uh, all kinds of different stuff. So uh, if you haven't if you haven't seen any of our articles, I would uh, I would encourage you to check those out. Here. And, uh, yeah, I write every other week on Star City, and I, my Twitter name is Usman the Red, and I talk about cube stuff. Yeah, sure. And the blog? Oh, yeah, blog, which I probably should update more. I, I seem to say that a lot. Uh, I'd rather be cubing.wordpress.com. It has links to my cube tutor, um, cube lists on there, my popper and my regular cube. I'll probably post an updated list with, uh, the Theros editions, which, you know, are never quite set in stone, but I think I'm pretty happy with the changes for right now, so probably post that list. I'll probably post a blog, hey, it's updated, and hey, crack a pack. So, yeah. yeah. All right, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Antney42, antkne four two. I also write for uh, LegitMTG.com. My cube articles are over there. Um Hopefully, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a bunch of different ones. You know, well, I'm sure we'll st- start seeing some Theros reviews go up, and uh, I'm uh, uh, about to uh, continue my modern cube 
uh, project, building project here real soon. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, and I guess that's I guess that's about it. You can uh, you can reach us at uh, MTG the Third Power at Gmail dot com. Uh, we keep threatening our own Twitter account as well. It's uh, yeah. bookmarked and reserved, and I have the name and just just haven't uh, haven't started uh, posting from it yet, but. Thank you very much, Justin, for coming in and, and uh, helping us out again. It's always great to, to talk to you and get another uh, great perspective. So thanks, man. Yeah, okay. thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I love being on the show. So whenever you want, I'm uh, I'm always, always excited to come back. Awesome. Well, we'll. We'll try to see if we can get another one in here before the next set comes out. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got we, we uh, burned ourselves out there with that four-hour marathon we did last time. So. Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> but I think, it was we, good. I think it was we're good. able to trim it down by like an hour today. So yeah, yeah. I think that's that's how it seems about right. So hopefully it'll be a little more digestible for those of you who uh, don't like long podcasts for some reason. But hopefully give you enough stuff to uh, to listen and enjoy. And uh, it's always easier when we have great guests like Justin around. So. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, cool, man. Well, I, I guess there's uh, only one thing left to do, huh? That's correct. Um, rock over London, rock on Chicago. Theros, stand among heroes. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See ya. Peace.